Hi, everybody. Uh, we're getting ready to hear uh, Joe Biden talk about uh, healing the nation here. Uh, we're doing a live stream to both um, Twitch and um, YouTube. Uh, looks like we picked the wrong day for our air conditioner to go out. So I've got those temporary ones on and um, I will turn them off once we get rolling here. Uh, but it is going to be a real corker. Now, I am I was monitoring uh, one of these people who are waiting for the president to come on and they're bloviating about about all the rest of this stuff. But I thought this is the kind of thing that maybe you should be watching uh, live together because to be honest with you, I got a I got a real feeling about this one. So um, just checking up on the streams here. This is the first time I had to do both of them together and it's the first time I've done it on, on YouTube too. So if just bear with us for a minute here or two and I'll just make sure everything's floating along and uh, we'll see how that looks. Okay, so there's, um, there's the YouTube. That noise in the background will go away. It's unbearable, I know. What do you know? Okay, so we're live on uh, both here. So um, we are going to uh, be listening to a stream separately. I don't have, I haven't been able to figure out how to bring this thing in. So it just, uh, tough for me to get this sort of, there we go. Okay, so it looks like we're going live to both those platforms. Uh, turned off the, um, uh, the air conditioners, so I'll cook so that you don't have to. Uh, and we're going to have to, if you're going to be watching the commentary live, uh, you're going to have to find your own live stream because I was going to try and put it in a window here, but I, I can't. So um, there we go. The person on Washington Post is explaining what fascism is. This is uh, this is funny. She's saying uh, there's a, a centralization of power, the suppression of political speech, uh, you know, all of the things that, that those nasty Republicans are so well known for. Centralization of the economy. This is a this is a facet of fascism. Militarism. Intervening in the lives of individuals. So I'm watching uh, the Washington Post uh, stream because it was the least disgusting one that I could find. Uh, but we should all probably be watching the same thing. I'm going to see if I can find uh, something less uh, likely to make my head explode during the process. So the main thing is we all be watching the same stream together. So if I can find a better stream, I'll pick it. He hasn't come out yet. He's probably still up putting her or, or ice cream time. Uh, let's see here. CBS, Fox now. Okay. I don't know if it's from this. I'm looking at uh, Lori Lightfoot, which is not something I can do for a long time. Uh, let's see, Washington Post, CBS, nope, White House. 
tempted. You know what, I think the thing to do is to watch the one from the White House uh, because I don't think they're going to have any kind <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at the live streams that are set up to cover the Biden speech. And we got, uh, let's see, we got, uh, we got um, CBS News with 37,000. We've got Fox with 45,000. We've got Washington Post with 11,000. CBS, uh, oh, that's, that's older. Uh, and then we have the White House with 1,100 people watching. Can we get more people watching this stream than the actual official White House stream? That's what I want to know. We have to get to 1,100 people watching live. And if we can do that, we're out pulling uh, Joe Biden, who's about to tell the country um, about, uh, you know, fascism. So um, I am at the uh, White House feed on YouTube. And if you're going to play along, maybe um, maybe we could all kind of tune into that as, you know, we'll probably double the numbers for them, and that's important. Uh, so I'm going to put the comment, I'm going to put the link in both the Twitch and the uh, YouTube comment stream, because, again, we're going to have to kind of, um, we're going to have to kind of, you know, I'd love to have the thing in a window here, but it turns out no. So uh, here it comes into YouTube. We're going to, here, here's what I'm going to be watching. You can, you can uh, have your own stab at that and put it into the Twitch stream now. And there you go. So we got that. That's where we're going to be. And I've got my headphone on, so I should be able to listen to this without, uh, without uh, hearing any of that stuff. So let's see. President Biden delivers remarks. Soul of the nation. Well, this is going to be fun. Please remove the echo. Uh, I don't know if I can. Let's try. Did that remove the echo? Anybody? Uh, I can I can check and see. We had two inputs here. Let's see if I can find the source of the echo. Let me know if that's any better. Hopefully. I'm going to turn off these uh, computer drives too. Yes, got it. Okay, so we had two inputs going. Thank you. Now I'm going to turn off these two hard drives, which will make it a little quieter even. Hopefully. Well, hot diggity dog. Here we are. Look at that. I'm going to, uh, you know, when I was starting to get this stuff together here for the, for the um, stream, I realized, uh, now this is something I really need to know better. So, um, and now the drives are off. Now it's almost quiet. All right, here we are. My gosh, this is exciting. It really is. It's crazy exciting. Um, uh, let me see what we got here. 75 on uh, Bill Whittle channel on YouTube and 13 or something, so whatever. Uh, It'll improve. And by the way, obviously, what I will do is I will, when this is over, I'll take the, the live commentary on Biden and I'll, in post, I'll bring in the actual Biden speech. And so most of the people who will be watching this recorded on YouTube will get to see it as if they're watching the very same thing, which would be just magical. Fix everything in post if you, if you uh, 
have the right attitude. All right, let me uh, adjust the camera here just a little bit. Still waiting for uh, for the president. I think the nap is maybe running longer than usual. I thought he was actually starting today at five. Oh, it's coming up on five. So, uh, oh, they're up to three thousand people watching now. So that's quite a that's quite a big number. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that's interesting uh, while while we wait here, this is kind of like waiting for the launch of an Apollo mission. Only it's the exact opposite. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the exact opposite. Instead of waiting for something to ignite and, and go up into the sky, we're waiting for something to just kind of and just crash into the ground. It's it's the anti-launch uh, special. Um, but uh, I really do wonder why he is doing this. Um, we'll know we'll know a lot more, and we'll talk about it a lot more, obviously, when it's over. But my take on it will be, going into it, that I suspect that this is designed to be so provocative, so emotionally provocative, that they, I think they are really trying very hard to get, um, to get you know, patriotic Americans to the point where we're losing our minds over this. And I refuse to be uh, goaded by these um, simpletons. Uh, although, by all means, if you feel the need to be goaded, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-goading. Um, uh, so we'll see. Um, and now we, we <laughs> I was just going to say, now we have to deal with the, with the dead air problem, which I find annoying at least, you know, um, once a week while I do the Stratosphere Lounge show. But imagine what it must be like for Joe Biden's handlers, that, that dead air feeling, you know. Imagine. If you're just like constantly sitting there waiting for something to come out and it's just all you hear is this kind of sucking sound, you know, like kind of thing when you hear when you put a conch shell up to your ears at the beach or something like that. So uh, I'm actually, oh, 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 something happened. We went, we went to an image here. We went away from the screen, went to an image. Let's turn on the audio. They've got music playing. I hope it's live because this, if this is canned music, it sounds like, it sounds like the East Paducah uh, kazoo band. Oh, it is, it is live. It's a junior high school band, I guess they got for the first time. All right, I'm going to put on my cogitating spectacles here. Um, oh my God, it's a military band. Now I feel bad. Well, no offense to the military, but... You guys shouldn't be there and you know it. You know you shouldn't be there, you know it. I'm unaware of, uh, of anything like this ever happening before. Um, I am unaware that a president of the United States has ever addressed the American people and criminalized the opposition and said, really gotta watch out for these people. We really, really need to do something. Um, but then again, there's a lot of firsts with the, um, with the Biden um, occupants, lots and lots of firsts. Uh, one of the big thrills about what's coming up is going to be: um, is he going to be? Uh, is he going to be able to get the sentences out? I just, I just hope there's a, yeah, absolutely. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Moment. I hope there's a, repeat the line uh, uh, moment. I really do. Um, but we will see. Unfortunately, all of this stuff will probably just cut out. Post will just start when when he when he comes out. 
But good gracious. What a, um... By the way, by the way, uh, for those of you, if we're, if we're all watching the same channel, I'm watching, as I've said, if you're new to the stream, I'm watching the White House channel. Uh, I'll put the link again in the um, in the comment section in the comment sections here. So I can sum up. Just cannot believe this thing is just so nasty. So I gotta put comments here in the web browser. Okay, sure. So here is the stream I'm watching, uh, and here it comes for you guys over there in um, over in. Uh, Twitchland, but if you're watching the same stream as, as I am, uh, does anybody else find it just kind of bleak and and sad and dark and empty? I mean, this is the kind of thing that you might expect to see a guy who's announcing a run for you know mayor of of a medium to small sized town. I really did think, he, and, and frankly, it, given what I know about this kind of thing, which of course is everything, uh, Biden really, 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 really needed to be in front of a large crowd of, of multiracial people nodding and agreeing with everything he says on this one. It certainly doesn't look like that's going to be the case here. Um, it looks like he's going to just come out and stand in the dark and and rely on his oratorial skills, which which is which is a, a real real blessing for us. But if there was ever anything that needed the social proof of having a background of people going, yeah, yeah, just round up our political enemies and, and criminalize them, absolutely. This is the time. But it's all I see here. Now, they may go inside. Golf clap for the, for the, uh, like the army band? I can't tell. It looks like it might be a Marine Corps band from the guy. Uh, who knows? I do notice that the band members, of course, are wearing their red dress uniforms, red being the color of MAGA, so uh, they are probably potential MAGA patriots and therefore semi-fascists who need to be carefully watched, and, and, and I'm glad that, uh, that, that this is happening in Philadelphia where there's at least a, a reliable police force in case these band members get out of hand. All right, here we go. Come on, Joe. Now we have actual genuine dead air. Now the question is, well, the dead air, uh, uh, what's the dead air record of the stratosphere lounge? Will that be surpassed by the president of the United States? I think it's about two and a half minutes. So we're seeing. Oh, the bell. Oh, come on. So the bell, the bell's ringing, and and the doors open. And I got to tell you, this is what here's. It, this feels exactly like standing in line for the haunted mansion at Disney World. Honestly, this is exactly the feeling you get. Ghosts and goblins everywhere. Ooh. You poor guys. And there's a police siren in the background. Undoubtedly, there's another been murder, uh, another murder going on. But nevertheless, please welcome the President of the United States, Asterix. Dr. Jill Biden.
And by the way, by the way, by the way, what the hell is Jill Biden doing here? Honestly, what does she have to do with this tonight? What on earth is she doing here? Don't, doesn't anybody else see how weird this is? What's the first lady got to do with this? This is a speech from the president to the people of the United States about a critical issue. This is their playbook, not mine. But she has to, oh, okay, well, she had to, she had to, she had to walk him out. All right, here we go. Now, now, it's, now it's showtime. My fellow Americans, <clears throat> please, if you have a seat, take it. I speak to you tonight <clears throat> from sacred ground in America, Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is where America made its declaration of independence to the world. What year, Joe? More than two centuries ago. Oh, okay. <clears throat> with an idea. He's got a frog in his throat. It's going to be entertaining. Nations. That in America, we're all created equal. This is where the United States Constitution was written, Constitution was written? and debated. And debated. This is where we set in motion the most extraordinary experiment of self-government the world has ever known. With and three simple words, we the people. Which didn't come from the, the Declaration, people. Joe, or, or Philadelphia. These two documents. The, and the ideas they embody about, you know, why, why split here is, is, is easily the president. Are the rock upon which this nation is built. They're how we became the greatest nation on earth. They're why, for more than two centuries, America has been a beacon to the world. But as I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. You miserable you low-life no swine. to pretend otherwise. So tonight, I've come to this place where it all began to speak as plainly as I can well, that's not to the be nation tough. about the threats we face, about the power we have in our own hands to meet these threats, and about the incredible future that lies in front of us if only we choose it. We must never forget. Looking forward to the lies in front of us. We, the people, are the true heirs of the American experiment that began more than two centuries ago. We, the people, have burning inside of each of us the flame of liberty that was lit here at Independence Hall. A flame that lit our way through abolition, the Civil War, Suffrage. Abolition against the Democratic Party. World wars. Civil war against the Democratic Party. Civil rights against the Democratic Party. That sacred flame is still burning. Now in our time, as we build an America that is more prosperous, free and just. Yeah, it's certainly more prosperous, free and just. That is the work of my presidency. A mission I believe in with my whole soul. But first... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he believes him be with his whole soul. So not at all, then, with ourselves. basically. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Got that right, Joe. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Okay, okay. I want to be very clear. Okay. Very clear up front. <clears throat> Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Yes, they are, Joe. 
Yes, they are. David Brooks, you you can stand up and applaud now, but yes, they are. I know, because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. Yeah, you have. But but they're not there anymore. The Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Okay. All right. We're right in it now. It's a hard thing. Fantastic. But I'm an American president. Yeah, sure. Not a president of red America, blue America, but uh, of all America. The nerve, your nerve of I you, the nerve of you to come out here and say I that. I to level with you to tell the, the truth, nerve of you. No matter how difficult, no matter how painful. And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. Free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies. No, because that would be a that would be a terrible thing to have happen. Undermine democracy itself. Uh, you know, I talked about this before. Accuse the people you're against of what you do. Country backwards, backwards, to an America where there is no right to choose. No right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law. The Black Lives Matter kind of, of rule country. of law. You know, burn down the, they burn down the, 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 that kind of rule of law. The United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy. Oh, my God. But they look at them as patriots, and they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. They tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. You really think you are, you time, really believe that you've got that many votes? succeed in thwarting the will of the people. Okay, Joe. Okay. That's why respected conservatives like Federal Circuit I can't Court do that. I can't get the sound in. I'm Michael sorry. Michael Ludwig has called Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans, quote, a clear and present danger to our democracy. Who was it who, who's a clear and present danger? Well, while the threat to American democracy is real, I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy. That's why we've authorized 83,000 IRS guys with guns to eliminate this totalitarian threat to America. From every background and belief, who reject the extreme MAGA ideology than those that accept it. And folks, Golf clap. it's within our power, it's in our hands, yours and mine, to stop the assault on American democracy. I believe America is at an inflection point, one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now, America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past 
to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism. This is the way to get to that hope and unity and optimism, Joe. You are you are right on the pulse of the country. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together we can choose a different path. We can choose a better path forward to the future. Hmm. future Where they'll have laptops, apparently. To build and dream and hope. And erase the contents of hard drives and all the rest of that stuff. You are the worst man I have ever seen. It's disgrace to this country for you to be standing in front of that seal. I know your courage. I know your hearts. And I know our history. This is a nation that honors our Constitution. Think about how afraid they must be of Donald Trump for this. This this. is a nation that believes in the rule of law. We do not repudiate it. This is a nation that respects free and fair elections. We honor the will of the people. We do not deny it. And this is a nation that rejects violence as a political tool. We do not encourage violence. So, con- so, so you're condemning Antifa and BLM as well as MAGA Republicans then, right, Joe? And respect for others. Right, right, Joe? Patriotism, right. liberty, justice for all, hope, possibilities. We are still, at our core, a democracy. We're a republic, yes. you idiot! You swore an oath to defend the republic. You are such History a freaking evil man. Blind loyalty to a single leader and a willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. For a long time, we've told ourselves that American democracy is guaranteed, but it's not. Well, that's obvious. Defend it, protect it, stand up for it, each and every one of us. That's why tonight, I'm asking our nation to come together. This is beyond behind you. You know, I was against you, Joe. But now that I've been called a, a, a fascist traitor, you're right. I, I'm, I'm much more willing. To, to, to reach across the aisle. We're all called by duty and conscience to confront extremists who put their own pursuit of power above all else. Oh, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than MAGA Republicans are to, to destroying American democracy. They're trying very hard to make this MAGA we, Republican things work, but this is as toned up as anything else they've ever done. Or anything tear us apart. Today, there are dangers around us. We cannot allow to prevail. We hear you've heard it. Now the question will be: more Is he? More talk is, about he is he going to be promoting an action as here? An acceptable political tool in this country. It's not. It can never be an acceptable tool. So I want to say this plain and simple. Well, we have this at least no for the next time there are riots. For political violence in America, period. Good, None. good. Ever. We got that on tape. Good. I'm glad we have that on tape. Next time somebody burns down a building, or next time I see Antifa, we're going right to that quote. We saw law enforcement brutally attacked on January the 6th. We've seen election officials, poll workers, many of them volunteers of both parties, subject to intimidation and death threats. It seems to me the only person Can who was killed it? was the person FBI who was... Just doing their job as directed, facing threats to their own lives from their own fellow citizens. On top of that, there are public figures today, yesterday, and the day before, 
predicting and all but calling for mass violence and rioting in the streets. This is inflammatory. It's dangerous. It's against the rule of law. You're going to eat and these we, words. The You're going to eat these words because the next time the left goes to the streets, are. next time they go to the streets, we are going to run this and run it and run it. Yes, good point. Heidi uh, 44 says, is he inciting an insurrection pro here? Uh, Pro-insurrectionist pro and pro-American. They're incompatible. We can't allow violence to be normalized. I kind of thought they were required. We each have to reject political violence with with all the moral clarity and conviction this nation can muster. What about this business now, about when the government no longer represents the people? We not only have a, 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 we have a, not an that obligation a to overthrow them. Remember that? Remember that part? Look, I know politics can be fierce and mean and nasty in America. I get it. You, you, you get it. You are it. Take a politics and disagreement and debate and dissent. Which is why we're, we're squashing big, all the defense. Complicated country. Uh huh. Uh huh. But democracy endures only if we, the people, respect the guardrails of the republic. Only if we, the people, accept the results of free and fair elections. Only if we, the people, see politics not as total war, but mediation of our differences. Uh huh. Democracy yeah, like this, for example. Survive when one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election. Either they win or they were cheated. What he's doing now, what he's doing now is he is setting, he's preparing the battle space for the walloping that they're going to take in a few months. They're going to claim that the whole thing was, was, was stolen. You can't love your country only when you win. It's fundamental. <laughs> American democracy only works. Only if we choose to respect the rule of law and the institutions that were set up in this chamber behind me. Only if we respect our legitimate political differences. Legitimate political I will not stand by and watch. I will not the will of the American people be overturned by wild conspiracy theories and baseless evidence-free claims of fraud. Then this should, this should be easy to disprove. This, this should be something that you could very simply disprove instead of burying lost. it, instead of constantly, constantly, constantly burying it and shutting up voices like mine. This would be something you should be able to solve in 10 minutes. The most fundamental freedom in this country, the freedom to vote and have your vote counted and be taken from you and the American people by things like Look, requiring IDs and so on. As your president, I will defend our democracy with every fiber of my being, and I'm asking every American to join. Another murder in a democratic city. <clears throat> Throughout our history, America's often made the greatest progress coming out of some of our darkest moments, like you're hearing somebody in the back? bullhorn. I believe we can and must do that again, and we are. MAGA Republicans look at America. Somebody in the background's got a got a shouting or bullhorn. What are they saying? Anybody they know? They spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. But I see a different America, an America with an unlimited future, an America that's about to take off. I hope you see it as well. Just look around. Okay. I believe we could lift America from the depths of COVID, 
So we passed the largest economic recovery package since Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and today America's economy is faster, stronger than any other advanced nation in the world. We have more to go. Okay. All right. I well, that's we a, that's a testable a theory. So we passed the biggest infrastructure investment since President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And we've now embarked on a decade of rebuilding the nation's roads, bridges, highways, ports, social activism waters, groups, high speed internet, railroads, trans sessions for uh, three year olds. I believe we could make America safer. So we passed the most significant gun safety law since President Clinton. You passed it? I believe we could go from being the highest cost of prescriptions in the world to making prescription drugs and healthcare more affordable. So we passed the most significant healthcare reform since President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought the Affordable Care Act was going to solve all those problems. What do you mean you had to solve? You had I to, believe we created, I, I'm, I'm confused now. Well, create a clean energy future and save the planet. So we save the planet, the most Joe. important climate initiative ever, ever, ever. Uh-huh, because the planet... You know, if that gets to 420 parts per million, planet's just going to call it a day. The critics tell us nothing can get done, but they're wrong. There is not a single thing America cannot do, not a single thing beyond our capacity. We cannot elect we a president who has a, who has a functioning IQ. We cannot elect a president who, can, who can't walk to a podium without being escorted in, and whether he gets escorted out, that'll be the interesting part. Look, I know the last year, few years have been tough, but today, COVID no longer controls our lives. More Americans are working than ever. Businesses are growing. Our schools are open. Millions of Americans. Oh, I hear. I hear them in the background. Millions of veterans once exposed to toxic burn pits will now get what they deserve for their families and the comparison. That's what I'm worried about. American manufacturing has come alive across the heartland, and the future will be made in America. No matter what the white supremacy How many people were they able to pull said, together for this? I see maybe 25. I made a bet on you, the American people, and that bet is paying off, proving that from darkness, the darkness of Charlottesville, of COVID, of gun violence, of insurrection, we can see the light. Light is now visible. Light that will guide us forward, not only in words, but in actions, actions for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for America. This is at the same Even time the most moment, evil and also the most the face, impotent thing I've ever seen in my, my life. Word as a Biden, I've never been more optimistic. Yeah, th this is the part of He has given us his word as a Biden. Who you are. I give We're you my word as a Biden. We know it. Mark my words. I give you my word as a Biden. Millions of new jobs in the clean energy economy. We're going to think big. We're going to make the 21st century another American century because the world needs us to. Somebody in the background is That's doing the cheer. That's we then. need to focus our energy. Not in the past, not on divisive culture wars, not on the politics of grievance, but on the future we can build together. <laughs> the MAGA Republicans believe that for them to succeed, everyone else has to fail. Uh huh. They believe America not like I believe about America. Well, that's absolutely true. I believe true. America is big enough for all of us to succeed. Plus and the rest of the, the world. that is the nation we're building, a nation where no one is left behind. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. 
I still believe that to be true. I believe the soul is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. The soul is what makes us us. The soul of America. Which is implanted somewhere on a all table someplace in a, in, a, in a uh, delivery that room. all are entitled to be treated with decency, dignity, and respect. That all deserve justice and a shot at lives of prosperity and consequence. How about a shot at lives? And democracy. Democracy must be defended, for democracy makes all these things possible. Which is why we're not a democracy. Folks. Democracy makes this possible, and ladies and gentlemen. Us, this is what democracy, democracy makes possible. Begins and will be preserved in we the people's habits of the heart, in our character, optimism that is tested yet endures, courage that digs deep when we need it, empathy that fuels democracy, the willingness to see each other not as enemies but as fellow Americans. Look. Our democracy is imperfect. It always is. Another bad. murder. What's that? Six now, I think. Notwithstanding those folks you hear on the other side there. Come on, Joe, go off the script. Entitled to be outrageous. This is a democracy. But history and common sense. Those are MAGA Republicans that you're just talking about. The people that are entitled to be outraged. Those the are MAGA Republicans. Nothing they've ever suffered from. But history and common sense tell us an opportunity liberty and justice for all are most likely to come to pass in a democracy we have never fully realized the aspirations of our founding but every generation has opened those doors a little bit wider yeah you go down to the southern border now you can see exactly how wide they're open my fellow americans america is an idea the most powerful idea in the history of the world. Be careful now, Joe, because now you're starting to get in into territory that's going to really, country. really piss me off. It beats in all our hearts. It unites America. It is the American creed, the idea that America guarantees that everyone be treated with dignity. It gives hate no safe harbor. It installs in everyone the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can't achieve. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe. And that's precisely what we're doing. Opening doors, creating possibilities, focusing on the future. And we're only just beginning. Yeah, that's the part I'm most concerned about. Our task is to make our nation free and fair, just and strong, noble and whole. And this work is the work of democracy, the work of. This I do generation. really like the fact that somebody's screaming in the, the background because it is, it is, it's, time. it's knocking him off his, we off can't his perch. We can afford to have, leave anyone on the sidelines. It's very hard to we talk when that's going to on. We do their part. So speak up, speak out, get engaged, vote. Call vote, the FBI. Vote. <laughs> vote, vote, vote. Three times at least. That's the minimum. Duty, that's what we're requiring. If we do our duty in 2022 and beyond then ages still to come will say, we, all of us here, we kept the faith. We preserved democracy. We heeded our worst. We look, look at the, we heeded the, look, not our worst. That instinct, crowd shot angels. is. We, we proved that for all its imperfections, America is still the beacon to the world, an ideal to be realized, 
a promise to be kept. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred, nothing more American. That's our soul. That's who we truly are. And that's who we must always be. I have no doubt, none, that this is who we will be and that we'll come together as a nation that will secure our democracy. Do you ever get the feeling that the script is written by like a years, like a bot? We'll have what we had the past 200 years, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We just need to remember who we are. We are the United States of America, which the is, United States which is, of America. Which is why I just came out and accused 75 million of you. Nation, and may God protect all those who stand watch over our democracy. God bless you all. Democracy. Except for you all. Democracy, 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 democracy. You see, this is obviously, this is how the 17th Amendment was sold, right? He's got to be walked off the stage. Wait, my God, I got to see this. Is she going to, is she going to, yes. Why are you necessary, ma'am? Why are, please, please. Oh, well, another, another brilliant ad lib. As he totters towards his uh, magnetic lock, you know, back at the bottom of the Jupiter 2, where he'll be put in storage until the next time uh, that the figurehead is trotted out. That inspires confidence, all right. That inspires confidence. Long live our noble queen. I'm sorry, uh, British schools. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I feel united. Uh, I feel I feel unbelievably united. What about you? I'm curious to know uh, in the comments section. Uh, can we can we hear a little bit uh, individual tales? I've I've clicked off of that thing. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, I've got both comment streams open now. I can see them both, uh, and I'd like to know um, how how united you feel. How many of you feel so much? better now than, than you did before how much you how much you you know how much did joe biden pull you towards towards the american dream with that speech i'm putting on my uh my reading spectacles here because uh, surely i can't be the only person who who felt deeply moved uh at that uh speech M motivated you might even say uh so i'm curious to hear uh bill go on timcast well i'd love to go on the timcast i just don't get to invite myself on other people's shows uh so let's see what we got in the in, in the unit. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'm so freaking annoyed right now. Hang on. Uh, Gorbachev is getting better, ready to be buried. Well, at least he outlived Biden. Um, nuclear MAGA bill, go on Timcast. Got it, Revolver. Love it. I'd love to go on, Tim, uh, on Timcast. Uh, got me shopping for ammo, MAGA. Okay, so look, uh, here's the thing, right? Yes, exactly. It first time chat here in our Twitch stream from uh, it's the Schnitz. If you vote against Biden, you're a threat to democracy. That's actually it in a nutshell, honestly. That's really pretty much it. Um, so, what have we got here? Okay, let's deal with the whole with the whole premise of what he of what he basically came out and said. That the threat to democracy is people who refuse to accept the uh, the results of the of the twenty. Um, of the 2020 election. And let's put aside the fact that the Democrats never accepted the results of the 2016 election. We're just going to put that aside. Now, I'm actually a reasonable man, believe it or not. And the curse of my life, as I've said a few times, is I wake up every day, write about things. And that's not 
really fun at all. Um, so, again, let's be reasonable. Let's be reasonable. If all of this talk about a stolen election in 2020, if all of this ongoing rancor and all of this ongoing uh, bitterness was predicated on a false premise, then it should be a very simple matter to clear that up. In fact, if, if, you, if you assume that Biden is telling the truth, this is a reach, I know, but, but just for a second, let's say, let's say that he's right, and let's say that I'm Joe Biden. Just, just play with me here. I know this is going to make some of you dizzy. Or what? What did I miss? Oh, he's, I'm sorry, I'm still listening to the channel. Oh, is this going on live? No, no, this is, no, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the, um, the uh, autoplay kicked in. Okay, so, so here's, let's go back to this question, right? Let's say, because one of the fun things about trying to find out what's true and what's a lie is if you think somebody's lying, Imagine that they're telling the truth. Imagine that you put yourself in their position and ask yourself how you would behave differently if it were you. So everybody just stick around for a second. Let's walk ourselves through this. Let's say that I'm Joe Biden and let's say that I really did win the election. Let's say there was no evidence of tampering whatsoever. And let's say that that is all true. So how do you behave when you, when you have the truth on your side? Well, when you have the truth on your side, what you do is you open the doors to the truth, right? When you have the truth on your side, you are not only willing to open the doors to investigation, you're positively anxious to open the doors to investigation. Because if the truth is on your side, you don't even want the appearance of being false by putting up anybody's, by putting any barriers to people getting to the truth. One of the, so, so the reason this is so obviously true is like this, right? I'm pretty convinced that we landed on the moon. In fact, I'm positive that we did. Does that mean that if I see somebody who says that the moon landing never happened, I want them to shut up, I want to, I want to take their channel away, I want to deplatform de them, I want to cancel them? No, I don't want to cancel them. I don't have to cancel them. The evidence is on my side. Truth is on my side. If somebody is, is convinced that the moon landing is fake, then what I want is to get as much evidence out there as possible. Let that person do all the digging they want to. Because if truth is on your side, then you don't do the things like tell Facebook to shut up, or you tell, or, or you tell Twitter to shut you up, or you tell YouTube to turn down your views. If the truth is on your side, what you want is you want that person to have access to the truth. Now, that's how innocent people behave. And if this stuff was actually all make-believe, all of this stuff about the uh, election, if this was all really just MAGA Republican semi-fascism, then it should be a very simple thing to do. What are the complaints? What are the charges? Bring out the records and, and prove us wrong, right? Bring out the records and prove us wrong. And when, we, and when we get to the point where that action actually happens, like in Arizona, and you find out that all of the voting records for the 2020 election have been deleted. Deleted why? Well, to save drive space. Drive space for, for text files. You, 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 you forget your obligation to keep records. You're actually telling us that the reason that these records are not available was because they were deleted? 
by accident or you didn't even say by accident you said deleted to save drive space well you know i think if we can find three or four trillion dollars for a stimulus package you think we might be able to come up with i don't know what does it cost 30 bucks who am i kidding you probably get a thumb drive for seven dollars that could cover that data right so if those if those if those records from arizona just as one example are are, are eliminated then there's your proof there's your proof this is, comes back to the thing that was happening on the night of the election when 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 Donald Trump said something funny's going on and Ben said, oh, he has no right to say that. There's no evidence. The evidence is they stopped counting. That's the evidence. It's evidence is so clearly in front of you that there's that there's no that that people can't see it. Right. They stopped counting. Really? Has that ever happened before? No, no. Happened all across the country. Did everybody stop counting? No, no, no. Just just five, five, six states stopped counting. Really? So. Florida stopped counting, California stopped counting. No, no, no. Now, Florida was already decided because the Secretary of State was a Republican there. So uh, even though it's the third populous, third or fourth, I think third, most populous state in the union, um, then uh, they were able to get their votes counted very, very thoroughly, very quickly, and so on. So that was why it was called for Florida. But, but the states that stopped counting, just random five states? No, they're all battlefield states. How many of those does Joe Biden need in order to, to, to win over the margin that is happening when they stop counting? He needs all of them, basically, all of them. Okay, all right. So, again, this is evidence. The evidence is in the actions after the fact. If it turned out that I was defending the fact that the moon landing actually happened, and what I was doing to prove it was silencing critics of the moon landing, destroying evidence of NASA's files, uh, basically saying that anybody who believed in it was absolutely bonkers because, and, and more importantly, that this didn't deserve discussion. It was so far out of out of range, right? That's what you do when you're covering up. Somebody comes up to me and says, Bill, you, I, I completely disagree with you about the moon landing. I said, let's have a conversation. And, and in the space of 10 minutes, then, then, then I'll flip them. And that's just been my experience. It's possible that you won't flip them, but if you don't flip them, I guarantee you it will because they're moving the goalposts and just in a state of 100% retreat. So there's your answer, folks. The answer, is, the answer is simple. Whether or not you can get to the actual evidence at this point is, is, is actually not even really important. If it were completely false, how would you behave if you were Joe Biden, if these allegations were in fact false and just the fever dreams of, of, of the MAGAs, Republicans, then how would you behave? Now, on the other hand, if it turned out that you had something to hide, how would you behave? And also, if it turned out that you began to think that in 2022, they're going to start putting into place in the state legislatures, uh, in the state governments, uh, secretaries of state who are going to demand things like, you know, counting the actual number of votes, making sure that the number of votes coming out of a precinct aren't greater than the total number of people in the precinct, and demanding things like voter ID and, and, get, and getting rid of uh, mailing in as many votes as you'd like, all of that stuff. If you are, if the same thing applies to the, to, to the whole thing, right? Look, I'm in favor of voter IDs. Why are you against them? speaking as, as Joe Biden. Well, we're against them because it deprives uh, poor people and black people of their vote. You're saying poor people and black people don't have IDs? No, they not only don't have IDs, but they can't get them either. 
it's too much. It's too. It's too much of a trouble. They can't just get in the car and drive down and get an ID like white people can. I'd be willing to bet you. I, I mean, I really, I never really thought about it before, but I'd be willing to bet you. Honestly, the more I think about this, I'd be willing to bet you that the that the the poorer you are in this country. In fact, I, I don't know why didn't this occur to me. I'll bet you anything that the poorer you are in America, the more often you have to show an ID. In fact, I'm sure of it. I'm positive of it. I'd, 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 I'd uh, do a cashier's check today. It's the first time I've had to show my ID since I got on an airplane. It's been months and months and months. So, and, 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 and when you see, I've seen one of the couple of these, they're just, they're just priceless. So you get this guy who goes to a college campus, he says to these young, white, rich kids, do you think that voter ID is, uh, is, is racist and unfair. Yes, it's racist and unfair. That same guy goes to black neighborhoods in America and says, do you think that it's uh, unfair and racist to require an ID? And they go, no, of course not. Well, white students over at UCLA say that you're, that you're not able to get a, an ID, that you're not capable of it. And they start laughing. The black people who live in these neighborhoods that they're, that they're pretending to defend, they start laughing. <laughs> they said, what? No, they said you weren't capable of doing it. Did they now? Yep, they said you weren't capable of doing it. Well, guess what? We can get IDs and we can also feed and bathe ourselves. That's the kind of reaction you get from the people who they're claiming to defend, right? By the way, I know this is a little bit, uh, uh, there's nothing unreasonable about this. If you happen to be watching this and you're not subscribed to BillWhittle.com, uh, to the Bill Whittle channel, if you could subscribe to that now, that'd be awesome. And if you uh, go into the uh, search box, I'll put it in the comments. I got to do this in the, in the web browser. Uh, if you would also do me a solid favor and go ahead right over to our sister channel, which I have to open in a web browser to get this thing to. I'm getting this, folks. It's going to take me a couple weeks to get this streaming thing down. But believe me, it has my undivided attention now. If you just go over to, I'll put it in the comment section here. Uh, let me, I'll just send a link because why make this any harder than it has to be? Uh, it's dead air, but it's not real dead air because I'm doing a little song and dance. See how I'm doing that? We call this doing a little, you know, a little shuck and jive over. Stratosphere Studios. Here comes the link. Come Copy, control C, da 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 da, ba, 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 paste into the da, da 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 here comes enable super chats one thing at a time poor favor there's a link in in the youtube thing here comes the the link in the um in the uh twitch stream there you go if you just head over there and hit the subscribe button i'd really appreciate it, it won't take you but a second you know use an open a different window in your browser and you don't even have to lose any of this uh any of this. By the way, if you go over there, you'll find the finished uh, version of the animation, uh, and we will be worried about getting that thing going too. Um, so um, I'll deal with that in a minute, Edward, if you hold on to that thought. So I'm just going to uh, just do a kind of a wrap up here because it's, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably roll on this till six, and then at six we'll, we'll just start our regular show. Uh, yeah, we're streaming, we stream the Stratosphere Lounge live on Twitch. We've been streaming it live on Twitch for years now. Uh, but I have to tell you, I'm liking this YouTube thing a lot better. Uh, and in terms of the uh, in terms of the the reach, we got 74 in Twitch, and we got and, uh, come on, dang it! Oh, this isn't. I don't know. I need a I need a producer. That's what I need. I need a producer real bad. Uh, let me find it. Hang on a second. I think it's two. It was 100 something. Where is that rascal? There he is. 
What a fine looking fella. Uh, we have currently 253, so that's more than 73. So we've quadrupled our audience here. So we're going to continue to stream both of them. Uh, and I'm doing this by using two versions of the same software. Uh, we've got a, uh, had a bit of a problem when I tried to stream from the multi-platform. I got us streaming to Twitch, couldn't get us into YouTube, had to sign out of the multi-platform. Then YouTube worked just great. When I signed back into Twitch, it wouldn't work. Meanwhile, OBS, which is what we've been using this whole time, works just fine. So if we have to use Tube for a while, we will, but eventually we'll get it all sorted out. But anyway, uh, welcome to the Stratosphere Lounge. So those of you who are watching, uh, we've got four times what we normally get, so you're going to get four times the quality. Uh, we start the show at six. I put up a last-minute post saying we're going to start at five so we could listen to uh, to uh, to President uh, Unity, and um, and so let me just take a quick drink of water, and I, and I will give you a few thoughts on on what we just saw, and then we can um, get your take on what we just saw, and then we'll go on and we'll do ourselves a regular show, just like in the olden days. Okay. Cheryl says, "Stand with President Trump." Is that a is that a joke? I think it might be sarcasm. If it's not, if if you're serious, Cheryl, welcome. Uh, uh, everything I just said about about looking for the truth, I mean. And when I say welcome, I don't mean welcome like in a sly, mischievous, or flip way. I say welcome. Anybody who's listening to somebody else, somebody else's position has my respect. So if it turns out you're serious about that, we're welcome uh, to have you here. I'd ask you to think about some of the things you're hearing, and especially think about the tone in which you're hearing them. Because the idea of me getting out on national television and saying that the people that voted for Joe Biden are a threat to our democracy is something that I just wouldn't do. And the reason I wouldn't do it is because it is the most divisive act I have ever seen in American history. And not only seen, that I'm aware of. This has never happened before, ever. This has never happened before. Uh, C.C. Du Bois in the YouTube channel has got the question of the, of the age. How the hell do we get out of this hairy mess? Well, the first thing we have to do is see what happens in November. Now, I have done uh, a number of things on this idea of distributed intelligence, and, and I'm a big believer in it. So I don't get to change my mind about something that, uh, about a system that I believe is effective just because I don't like the outcome. When I was talking about the, uh, the election betting pool, I said that this is a much more accurate predictor of what's going to happen than a poll, because a poll can be commissioned by somebody to show a result that you want. That's number one. Number two, the polls have a smaller sample than the betting pools. Number three, you can take a poll. And by the way, there's a self-selection there. If somebody said to you, do you want to take a poll? I'd say, no, I'm not interested in taking a poll. So you're selecting automatically there. But most importantly, the reason that I have much more confidence in the betting pools is because people are putting money on the line. Now, with all of that happy stuff said, there's been a catastrophic drop in, in support for, um, for Republicans in, uh, in the last two, three weeks, maybe a month and a half. I'm going to get it up here and see what it looks like now. And, and it's been continuing. So let me, uh, let me just find U.S. Uh, election betting odds by Maximot, and, and I will put this link into the, um, into the two comment sections too. Here's what I'm looking at uh, over here, kids. Um, why do I have to keep going back to that? That doesn't make sense to me, but nevertheless, here we go, say something. Open web browser, all right. So here's, uh, here's what I'm looking at 
Um, this is the uh, betting odds place, and you'll see in addition to the House, which comes up on this page, there's also uh, a Senate tab up there, and you know how to find that, and I'll put it here too. So let's look at what these numbers say and, and see if we can figure out what's going on, because I don't understand this. I really don't. Uh, so according to this, yeah, um, right now, uh, if you're looking at the page I'm looking at, uh, I can... I can, I can. Just give me a second, because for those of you, I'll just put the numbers. I'll just, I'll just do a screen grab of it, um, and I have to put them up in both places. So give me one second. So, here's what it's showing as of this moment for the House of Representatives. And uh, give me a second, because like I said, I have to do this twice. So I will put this uh, here, and I'll put this here. Okay. That's for the House. Now, it still looks pretty good, but look at where it was back in, um, oh, I cut the, I cut the, uh, did I cut it out or did it? No, I didn't cut it out. It's, it's just that I, uh, here, there we go. Um, so what the hell happened? I mean, that is a, that is a really strong collapse. And if you look at the last day, the, the support for Republicans is down 0.2%. Um, that's a screen grab, if I, but if I go back to the live site, which again I link to uh, in both the comment sections here, if I go for, instead of the last day, if I go for the last uh, week, Democrats are up 1.3% in the last week. Now it's still 72.27, 70, yeah, 72.27. So at this moment, it looks like a comfortable win in the House, but look at those lines. And what the hell is going on? And what the hell happened in the end of July, beginning of August, right underneath the A there? Is that the Mar-a-Lago raid? Is that what happened? I don't know. Um, but in any event, uh, Wow, Bill, bet you're sorry now for throwing Trump under the bus back in the 2020 elections, huh, says F.D. Miller. When did I do that, F.D. Miller? When did I throw Trump under the bus in the 2020 elections? I spent the 2020 elections and the days after 2020 election practically losing my mind out of this. When did I ever throw Trump under the bus? Never. I never, ever did that. So I'm looking forward to you providing some evidence for that rather uh, annoying uh, uh, statement there. I'm looking for direct quotes uh, and I'm looking for some kind, of, uh, some kind of evidence because I find that to be really obnoxious and not only obnoxious, but also really quite wrong. Um, so now let's take a look at the Senate while he cogitates on this on this question. Some people just like to watch the house, watch the world burn, you know. So here's the uh, Senate. Look at these numbers. Um, this is really uh, surprising and alarming. Uh, let me see. Bill wasn't sure. Bill wasn't sure that Donald Trump was going to win in 2020. That's not throwing somebody under a bus. How is, how is saying I'm not sure this person's going to win is throwing somebody under a bus? I don't, I don't understand that at all. Throwing somebody under the bus is saying I'm not voting for Donald Trump because I think he's a dangerous guy and a threat to our republic. And you never heard me ever say anything like that. Ever. I wasn't convinced he was going to win. Well, nobody. That's what you said after the win. Before the win, I said, I said, 
what? What did I say before the win? Before the win, did I say, give it up? He's got no chance? Yeah, trolls? Yeah, okay. You're right about the trolls. Um, it's just annoying when people just come out and lie, you know? That's what it is. It just, it offends my sense of, of, of justice. And, uh, and, you know, and there you go. So, all right, fine, whatever you want. You, you go right ahead and believe whatever you want to believe. And, um, and, 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 and bless you. So, there you go. Um, this might be one of the, um, I'm not going to even speculate on it. It's not worth my time. Jeremy Boring helped me get over this, you know, because this thing used to really bother me. Um, it used to bother me because, because uh, I don't like people lying about me or anything else for that matter. Um, but he's, he's the one who said, uh, Bill, you know, Zeus doesn't come down from Mount Olympus to argue about the weather with shepherds. So I thought that was pretty compelling. Um, so here is, uh, here's the Senate, kids. And this one, again, is this Senate? I got this right. Senate control. All right, let me get this in the other one here. Uh, come on. Oop, sorry. All right, here's the Senate. Um, so, uh, look, at, look at where the numbers were again. Uh, end of July, early August, there was a, looks like the peak was maybe in May, but that looks like it was, it was just under 80%, 79, 80% chance of, um, of, the, of the Republicans taking the Senate as well. Now we're down to one and three. What the hell's going on here? What's going on? Um, I don't understand this. And if anybody does, I'd, I'd be very uh, grateful to hear an explanation. Like I said, if these were polls, I would be okay. So this is what they do: they start, they start the, um, they start the, the. Oh, you've got no chance to win thing. Might as well stay home. Polling, polling routine. I've seen that through four election cycles now. So, what's going on? These are these are betting pools. Now, Precious Snowflake says they're lies, but the problem is, is that this is a highly distributed group of people who are not in it for the politics. These people are are betting money on it. So. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, you know, uh, hang on a second. Hang on a sec. Just checking something here. Uh, hang on a sec. Sign into chat again. That's so bizarre. Speaking of this kind of thing, by the way, um, hang on. Uh, speaking of this kind of thing, I saw something very much like this. I almost talked about it on the um, Stratosphere Studio, uh, but um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, here, here, here's here's why this kind of this kind of thing like throwing Trump under the bus thing bothers me. I, I I almost talked about this on Friday. I'm going to talk about it in detail on Friday. But um, I've gotten to do, I've uh, gotten to be uh, well, been a big admirer of Doomcock for the longest time, and gotten to be kind of friends with the guy. And um, and I'm looking at uh, you know a list of all the Doomcock videos. And um, and one of them was uh, proof that Doomcock is a is a white supremacist and a fascist. 
And there's a guy out there who has, I don't know, a couple thousand followers who also does pop culture reviews and also does them in a mask and also does them with a suppressed voice. In other words, he wants to be Doomcock real bad. And his video was about how uh, how Doomcock is a Nazi. And the reason he, he went to prove that was because he found a channel, which is no longer up conveniently enough, about a guy with a different mask on who's also got his voice lowered like this. And he says some obnoxious things. And this guy is claiming that that's Doomcock on a separate channel and sees Doomcock as a Nazi, Nazi therefore, and he's trying to start the cancel Doomcock movement, hashtag. And, and I don't know whether they're friends, sock puppets or whatever, but a number of people go, you're right, it sounds exactly like Doomcock and his gestures are exactly the same. It doesn't sound exactly like Doomcock because you can, you can modify the voice, but you, it's almost impossible for an amateur to, to modify the cadence. And after I listened to this supposed uh, Doomcock second channel, Nazi channel, I said, this doesn't sound like Doomcock. It sounds like the guy whose channel this is. That's who it sounds like. This guy has created a lie. He's provided some, so he, he's not provided evidence. He's manufactured a lie and is using it to try to destroy this guy who's doing things that he can't do because he doesn't have the talent. This is what, this is what people sometimes do. That's what low people do. They tell lies about, about people who, who they uh, either uh, resent or, or are jealous of or whatever, and, or, or they, they want to do what they're doing and they can't. And it was so flagrant to me and so nasty. And unfortunately, you know, for a supervillain, he's, he's rather a sensitive guy, which is one of the reasons why I like him. And, uh, and, and, and I sat there, you know, and, and once again, I have to fight with this all the time. I sometimes just can't I just can't wrap my head around why people could be that, how they could be that venal. I just don't understand it. And, and, I, and, and I realize, like I say, it's a character defect. I understand it, I just can't, I just, it, the, the whole idea is just so alien to me that you would, that you would invent a slander and a lie in order to, re, to remove somebody and, and cancel them because you didn't like them, you know? or tell lies about somebody, oh, I don't know, throwing Donald Trump under the bus, that kind of thing, because he didn't like him. Um, I just find that kind of thing to be reprehensible and low. Really, really kind of disgusting and a sign of a corrupt soul, if, if there's any left at all. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a cheap shot, and it's the kind of cheap shot that the kind of people who are not capable of taking real shots make. So I'm just saying, uh, they're out there. And uh, these people we call, generally speaking, progressives. And uh, so I suspect that's who that comment came from. Um, so uh, there you go. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> what was this guy's name? Jesse? No, it wasn't Jesse. <laughs> but, but look, I've had this happen to me, and not just with this nonsense. I've had this happen to me seriously. And, and it is... It is, it is soul-destroying, it's soul-crushing to be libeled and slandered like that. It, it really is. It, 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 if, you have a, a, if you have any kind of a, of a conscience or a core, being accused of something you didn't do is, is really, really, really hard. And the wider it goes, the more it hurts. So I saw this little piece of work and and only because I'm in the business of, you know, 
I'm in the I'm in show business. I know what actors sound like. I know what dialogue sounds like. I know what cadences sound like, and I know how to do uh, voice shifting. So the idea that this guy would 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 tell a lie that disgusting and that and that obvious in order to get a few miserable likes is uh, is pretty much amazing, you know, pretty much amazing. So, you know, anyway, it's uh, it's. I don't know. There are people out there who are just not very good people, and uh, and there they are, you know. So anyway, um, I'm all about letting people have their opinion. But one of the things I did learn back in the days of doing blogs is that is that when it when a certain kind of a troll appears, they can turn the entire conversation, turn the audience that I've that I've managed to accumulate over, you know, 13 years of hard work into a platform for them, and that's kind of when I. That's kind of when I draw the line. It's like, okay, you, you, you wanted your, your say, got your say, but we're not going to make this about you because it's not about you. Um, all right. So, um, hey, look at that. It's uh, 5.59, almost 6, time to, to start the Stratosphere Lounge. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to Stratosphere Lounge. I'm your host, Bill Whittle, and we have just... Uh, okay. You know what I just said about about uh, about this kind of thing? Because when you ask somebody, okay, you made an accusation, provide some evidence. And when they continue to not provide evidence, just restate the accusation, then you know that they're full of shit. And, uh, and I have no obligation to people who are full of shit. I don't. I don't owe them anything. It's not a free speech issue. It's not a question of being fair. Start out being fair when they continue to make those kind of um, accusations and can't back them up then we already know that they're lying. And so we just do what we're going to do, which is basically just say, all right, thank you for your time. You're done. Uh, okay. Uh, hang on a sec. Let's just take a second. It's actually kind of fun once you get used to it. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's my best friend. Uh, maybe it's somebody who's like a really good friend of mine just pulling my leg, but whoever he is, he's gone. Um, and, uh, and that's that. If, if, again, if he were providing evidence, then I would respond to the evidence, but he's just being a dick. So have a good life, dick. And uh, don't let the electronic door hit you in the digital ass on your way out. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, we have... Uh, on the Stratosphere Lounge, we we do the um, we do the uh, comments at uh, BillWoodle.com, and we do Facebook. So um, yeah, FD, well, FD Miller is now is now uh, consigned to the digital to the digital darkness. He's been excommunicated. He's still watching, but he's he's watching from um, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for. What's it called in a in a in a first person shooter? Oh, he's ghosting, right? Is that what the, uh, uh, it's been a while since I played? You're in a first person shooter. You have one life. You get shot. You're dead. You have to watch the rest of the game from up above and not be able to talk to anybody. So there you go. Uh, that's where he is now. Um, let's go to uh, the BillWhittle.com questions and uh, and then we'll do the Facebook questions. It is awfully warm in here. In fact. Um, uh, I know this is not going to be a popular move. Our air conditioning went out today. Don't ask me why. 
they're going to be in tomorrow morning and fix it. It's is 101 here in in California today. Um, I have the two um, Daleks back there, the uh, their security security droids, and um, and they're actually air conditioners because I do come in and work a lot over the weekends and work here late at night and the air conditioning goes off at six. So um, it's roasting in here. So I'm going to have to just ask for your, um, for your, that's uh, uh, what I'm looking for, your, your uh, forgiveness in advance. I'm just going to turn this down just a little bit, uh, on just a little bit. So it's going to get noisy in here and, and there's nothing I can do about it. Just, just to cool it down just a little bit. Okay, so, so there we go. Remote control air conditioning. There you go. I got these when I opened the studio in 2014. I don't use them often, but I tell you what, when I do use them, I love them. You can see that they're vented. Now, uh, where are they vented to? Well, unfortunately, they're not vented outdoors. I couldn't pull that off, but they are vented up over the roof. So the hot air goes up, spreads out, and wants to rise, and it in any event, it cools me down. I can feel it already. I feel it already. So um, let's talk, uh, before we go to the comments thing, let's, let's talk some more about this, um, this speech thing. Uh, and, 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 and enough of trying to play fair, right? What was that? I, I am always convinced, I did, a, um, I did a moving back to America on this, uh, two times ago. That's who they are. I'm convinced that these people understand, and it's it's an effective tactic. It's kind of like what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, with uh, with the the liars and the lying liars and the lying that they do. If you are if you're guilty of something, you accuse the person. You accuse your opponents of doing what you are doing. That way, if the tr if we ever do get to the point where the truth comes out, then it looks like they're simply retaliating and 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 worst case scenario it's he said she said right so if it turns out that um that uh joe biden and the democrats uh cheated on that last election then what do you want to do about that well you want to accuse the republicans of cheating because the republicans after 2020 are determined to make sure that this kind of cheating doesn't happen so what do the republicans do well, the Republicans start putting into uh, the offices of Secretary of State and so on the kind of the kind of uh, constraints on cheating that were there in the first place before the Democrats destroyed them. And by putting in those constraints on cheating, you are taking away their ability to cheat, or at least you're reducing it. And if you do that, then they're in real trouble. So, what they have to do is they have to come out and say. Um, that you are now trying to subvert the democracy by insisting on things like voter ID laws and by having uh, MAGA Republicans, MAGA semi-fascists, taking over the job that the Puron communists uh, had before, you see? But with all of that said, does, does it, I'm just looking at like the, the, I don't know why they're doing it. I'm just wondering if this is a particularly good idea do you think that anybody 
was convinced by this? Do you think it changed anybody's mind? And do you think that it fired up their base more than it fired up our base? Because I don't know about you, but I've been getting more and more angry about this stuff. And, and really now I'm at the point where I'm just incandescently furious. Although I'm also learning how to just say, yeah, I'm not going to ruin my day, but nevertheless. Um, the, uh, the, this to me is, the, uh, what this thing tonight smelled like to me was it, it smelled of desperation. And, and I think that it's designed to make us crazy. I really do think that's actually like one of the major objectives is to make us lose our minds. Um, so, um, I don't, I don't know. To me, it sounded like the, the, the big paradigm of platitudes. It's probably the only book that Joe Biden could actually write would be a, a series of, of platitudes, maybe six or seven pages if you put one on a page. Um, defend our democracy. It's not a democracy. You ought to know that. You're the president. Uh, Asterix. Uh, so, um, this to me sounds like the kind of thing that the Mar-a-Lago sounded like. To me, it sounds like the kind of desperation from people who understand that that this that this this guy and the people that follow them follow him are a real threat to their to their plants. And notice, by the way, how they're always playing the victim on this. So when you confront teachers about I saw, I saw something, I saw something just, there's a guy who I've been watching a lot of lately, it's kind of my newest, I've, I've burned through pretty much everything he's done. Um, he's a, I think he's a former Marine, his, his channel's called Odin's Men, and he watches, you, he watches TikTok videos and comments, and he's actually extraordinarily fair, I think that's probably why he's effective. But he's actually made me laugh out loud several times, he just looks at the worst of TikTok and kind of analyzes it and stuff. And, and so I saw on his channel last night, um, it was handheld video, and it was video of a, of, a, of a black man going into a classroom and confronting a teacher who, who made his grandson wear a dress. And he's not happy about it. And she's constantly, well, you'll have to talk to my supervisor, you'll have to talk to my supervisor, you'll lower your voice, you know, there are children here, you have to talk to my supervisor, right? So what do you get out of this? Well, obviously this man's a violent extremist and he's coming in to, 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 um, to, to act you know, some kind of act of physical violence. He's not a violent extremist. He's just angry. He's angry because of what you did that you had no right to do and we all know why you did it. So he's angry at you and, um, and now you're going to play this off as this is some kind of regression we're taking a step backwards, what happened to my right of free speech, you're trying to take away our democracy, and so on and so on and so on. Look, I'm just going to cut to the chase here, okay? I'm just going to just, just put all this trivially nonsense, Biden's speech, all, all of it, just put it aside. We're going to find out in the next year or two whether or not people will take this. And my inclination is not. Now, we looked at the voting things earlier, and the, the voting is disturbing. The trends are disturbing. This should be, this should be a 90-10 blowout on both sides. So that has me genuinely concerned. But with that said, with that said, 
the further that these people go out into the weeds with their philosophy, the more they are converting people into Republicans. Does anybody think that this business of taking uh, six-year-olds to, a, to a, a drag bar, does anybody think that's turning Republicans into Democrats? Does anybody think that's turning uh, independent parents into Democrats? Do you really think that anybody out there is saying, oh, well, that's great. I hadn't really thought about that, but these progressives are making a lot of sense. They're losing, see, this, the, the thing that's so, it's, there's so much, there's just such a, an ocean of, of falsehood that we live in. It's not even lies, it's just, it's just, it's like just mo molecules of, of mendacity floating around. But the fact of the matter is, they talk about, you, you know, you MAGA Republicans, you, you guys are the biggest conservatives, you know, you, you, you. be perfectly honest with you, I think uh, most black voters are more conservative than, than white conservatives, and most Hispanic voters are more conservative than white conservatives in terms of their number, the percentage that has traditional family values, right? And, and so they have been told, Hispanic voters and black voters, I hate using these terms, I didn't make the rules as far as I'm concerned, they're all just Americans, but nevertheless, here we are. I think they're turning away from the Democratic Party in droves and, and they're, they're heading here. And I have to say, when Joe Rogan said vote Republican, that's another one of those big deals. Big deals. Now, if I do not I cannot foresee any possibility where Joe Rogan would walk that back because Joe Rogan's essentially already run the, the gauntlet with this, right? With this, with this whole um, COVID experience. It's not like he's not aware of the pressure that they'll put on you if you're a, a, a person who's actually influencing things. He knows what, he knows the, the power that he's got. He knows how dangerous he is to the people telling the lies. But for him to come out and say that verbatim, um, that's, that's tremendous. Uh, it's it's just you know he see the reason it's tremendous is is because he's not a he's not a politician he's just a just a cool guy he's got a real popular show so anyway um, it, I, you know I, I don't know what to think about what I just saw uh, Latin, Latinx that's right there's another made up word that is that the that the progressive think that, see here's the thing right. Their philosophy is, their philosophy is insane and is predicated against, it is predicated upon the denial of reality. And in fact, not just the denial, but the, but the inversion, the, 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 um, the um, negation of reality. That's why they like it. It's, it's, it's the politics of wishful thinking. You want to be something? Well, you can't be. You're not tall enough to be an NBA player. Well, that hurts my feelings. That makes me a victim. So the NBA needs to lower their standards so that I can get what I want. That's how they all think, because they're all self-centered, narcissistic children. So far, so good. But once you commit to the policy of you must be able to have what you want, then you end up with the trans movement. And when you end up with the trans movement, you end up with, with the people that are, that are that when you're making a case for victimhood, you really are dealing with this Highlander thing. In the end, there can only be one. There can only be one top victim in the end. And there will be uh, a, an ongoing power struggle, which will get nastier and nastier, to be the top victim. If you're a conservative, you mostly just want to be left alone, and you are, and you are 
you don't have anything to prove to me. I don't have anything to prove to you. What you, you, you live the way you want to, I'll live the way I want to. We're not in competition with each other. We have other methods of, of, uh, of gaining some kind of um, self-esteem and we have, you know, we have self-respect, we had decent parents, and we have jobs, we have air conditioners, we have all those things, right? So you and I, as conservatives, are not in competition with each other. My, I have no way to gain social standing over you because I don't want social standing over you. And if I tried to get some kind of social standing over you, it would not impress you into submission. You would just think, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And, and, and you know, and, and there you go. Astro Guilt, the day MAGA died, Biden 2024. That's, surely that's a joke. But if it's not, uh, welcome. Um, yeah, because Joe put MAGA in the ground. Uh, I tell you one thing, Mark Dice is going to be selling a lot more T-shirts tomorrow than he did today. And uh, MAGA Lager. Yeah, there you go. Um, that'd be fun, actually, to think of a line of, of, of products for, for MAGA. Uh, the, 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 the people of the country are not, are not walking away from uh, MAGA. They're walking towards it. It's the, it's the progressive lunacy that's, that's dying faster than they can keep track of. How do we know this? Well... For one thing, they made a $90 million movie called Batgirl that was so progressive that they couldn't release it. And think about this for a second. This is, the, this is politics, even though it's pop culture. That movie was so woke that the new uh, chairman of Warner Brothers said, not only are we going to take a $90 million haircut on this, but we're, we're not only, we're, we're not only, we're not only going to not release it, we're going to destroy it. Since we spoke about this last, there's a little tiny little pool of, because this is connected directly to politics. I, I said I was going to be keeping this pop culture stuff separate for the Stratosphere Studios, and I will. But there was a, 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 a little uh, pity party a week ago where the people that worked on Batgirl had a screening of this movie or, or were trying to get a screening of the movie to thank them for the work because they put in nine, nine months of their lives, a year of their life on it. And they wanted to at least see it. So there was talk about having a screening, a goodbye screening, before it is not locked away, before it is destroyed. In other words, Warner Brothers realizes that this movie is not only so bad that if we release it, it will not only not make money, it will harm us. It's so bad that, that any chance of it being seen will harm us. It has, it's like radioactive waste, right? It's not just a bad decision. It has to be destroyed. That's how toxic it is. That's how bad it is. And all across the board, all across the board, we're seeing, we're seeing all these things just come, come you know, just flying down. All of them, they're all just failing. They're just, sh they're just shutting down. Nobody's watching them. Nobody cares. Nobody's walking away from them. Nobody's watching She-Hulk. Nobody's watching any of this stuff anymore. The reason the pop culture aspect of this is important politically is because the reason that politics is downstream of culture is because you get to vote about the culture immediately. Do you want to go see this movie? Yes or no? Okay. You only get to have that uh, vote every two years. And for president, you only get to have it every four. But when you're talking about whether or not you want woke philosophy, in the, in the pop culture world, you get to decide that all the time. Um, so here we are. Right? Are, are more parents um, bringing their kids to public schools in order to have the advantage of, of having their three-year-olds dressed in, in, 
in gender fluid um, outfits? Is that what's happening? Uh, no, it's not what's happening. And and as it uh, as it goes, uh, Precious Snowflake points out Top Gun Maverick made a billion dollars, and and Spider Man, before that, you know, movies that are just entertainment without the the lecture. I think that's like the third largest grossing movie of all times. So nobody wants this stuff. And and in the way that they that we have been able so far, the mechanisms that we've had to show that we don't want it, we've shown that we don't want it. And it gets more and more and more toxic every day. Now, JB, of course, I'm sorry, J, JR, excuse me, in the YouTube stream, he raises the issue that is the issue of issues. And this is the thing I was talking with my wife about earlier when I told her that the president of the United States was gonna come on and demonize half of the country and say that they're dangerous. You know, long talk about this, she grew up in a totalitarian state. JR says everybody should just stop paying taxes, starve the beast. This is this is seriously the, the core of the issue now, honestly, really, in terms of the, 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 the ultimate fight back. This is something we all know. This here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma that we're trapped in. This is all of it. All of it. All of it. All of it is this dynamic right here. So, this would be a good time to pay attention if you're if you're inclined to do that. If you haven't already gone into a coma. What he says is, everybody should just stop paying taxes and starve the beast. And we all know. We all know that if everybody stopped paying taxes, that would be the end of it. We also know that there's not a person with a gun to our head individually at the moment making us do this we have we do it because we know that it needs you need all the reasons that paying some taxes is good but the main reason that everybody pays their taxes because they know that if they don't then they will be hauled off to IRS hell which is why you need another 87,000 agents to continue to make that threat but but let's just look at this I love just clearing the table, just looking at things just completely logically. A lot of times you can get to the heart of an argument just by walking out to one extreme and the other extreme, laying them on the table. If everybody stopped paying their taxes, this would be the end of the problem, right? That would be the that would be the end of everything. They would the, the government would just have to stop. The only choice they had would be to do nothing but print money, and that would be another indication that the whole thing is, it's, it's, it's the end of, of this situation that we live in now. So why don't we all stop paying our taxes? We don't stop paying our taxes because, because of the, it's kind of like the prisoner's dilemma kind of thing. We know that if we commit to doing this, and, and, we, and if we knew that every other person was locked into doing it, then we'd do it. But we, but they're not locked into doing it. So, so what happens is, you think this this is the solution, but do I want to be the guy who tests the theory? And the consequences for failure are so high. This is pretty much exactly how the prisoner's dilemma works. I, I, I can see a benefit by trusting everybody else, but the penalty is much larger than the benefit, and I can't be sure that they're going to... Um, to step up, and so therefore the smart play is to is to is to not take the risk, right? So, so at what point, at what point do we? At what at what point do all of us become pot committed? Right? 
at what point does that happen? This is what my wife and I were talking about. This is the question, right? We're not going to talk about insurrection or anything like that, but we're all heavily armed. I mean, we were before the tragic voting accidents that seem to be as, as out of control as inflation these days, right? So we understand that that deterrent is there. And, and, and this was the thing that I was, because my wife comes from a society that's, like I said, very totalitarian, and, and she happens to be a great shot, or she was anyway before we lost the, the weapons. But she's not convinced that this whole thing works because uh, she's from a place where it didn't. So let's just say that these 87,000 armed IRS agents were there to do what most of the other armed government agents in history have been doing for the people that put them in power. Our dilemma is nobody wants to go first because the stakes are so high that if it turns out that you say, follow me, and you're out there in the middle, of the, then, then, then it's catastrophic. They have a dilemma too, though. Their dilemma is they can't, they can either take us slowly enough so that it doesn't trigger that real response. And if they take us slowly enough so that it doesn't trigger that, my God, they're arresting conservatives and putting them into vans and disappearing, then it'll take them seven or 8,000 years to, to get to all of us. On the other hand, if they, if they try to make a grab for enough of us at the same time, that will trigger the, okay, you know, we're being taken out of our homes at nighttime by government agents without warrants and we're, and we're disappearing. So where, where, does that, where does that switch happen? Where's the, where's, where's the fulcrum of that? Um, I have to tell you, I was not only disappointed, I was heartbroken. I was, I was actually, uh, early on in that thing, I was actually reduced to tears when I was in a, in a drugstore during the first week of the pandemic and I saw all the panic buying and, 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 and all of the, I, I, just, I just didn't, I never imagined I would see that in this country. It really broke my heart. But having watched the last two years of the epidemic, um, uh, I have seen an awful lot more acquiescence than I expected to see. Uh, now, these are the questions that need to be asked. Do you think that the country is more willing to comply now if this thing can't happen again or less willing? Um, Steve Young says they realize the U.S. military is not oath-bound to the administration, but rather to defend the Constitution. Yes, that's, that's, that's a source of great comfort. But the problem is, is that, is that they are... Uh, Gators got your guns. Uh, uh, what works? He says, I'm in Florida. Gators got your guns. My response to that would be, go Gators. Um, so you, you see what I'm saying here? I, I, I maintain that the Second Amendment is, is a deterrent against the government coming at us with guns. I believe, it's, I, I believe that is effective and is so effective that they're not seriously considering it. So, as I said, they don't have to get you to, um, they don't have to come and get your guns. What they have to do is they have to get a hold of your kids so that by the time your kids are 20 and you're 70, your kids will turn your guns in for them so they can get a little cookie for it. That's, that's the plan. That's clear, right? They're not, they're not going to come and take your guns. They're not going to kick down doors. Not with... 350 million 
400 million weapons in this country. You know, it's going to come down kicking doors here, not because they don't want to, but because they know this is there. And since they can't come that way, they got to come somewhere else. So what they'll do is they will basically say, all right, we can wait. We'll make sure that your kids are socialized to the point where you think that anything that smacks of independence, anything that smacks of, of uh, rebellion, anything that smack, smacks of, of uh, you know, any of this stuff is double plus ungood, and they'll turn, they'll turn your guns in for you. Um, hi, Brewster. Nice, uh, nice of you to say so. Good to, good to see you live for the first time, too. Now, Snow, Princess Snowflake says, well, Bill, I hope I'm dead by then. This is a very tempting, uh, uh, I'd love to tell you that, that I haven't thought about this, but honestly, it occurs to me all the time. What do I care? You know, but I do care. And, um, and I, care, I care about what happens to the future, not because they deserve it. I care about what happens to the future, not because I feel like I owe the future anything. I, I care because I feel like I owe the past. I don't feel like I owe our children. I feel like I owe our ancestors. Those are the people I don't want to disappoint. That's the, that's the motivation for me to keep fighting. Because I, I was mentioning earlier Odin's, uh, Odin's Mint channel. And he'll comment on, on Gen Zs, and you'll see these you'll see these videos. And it turns out that that they're not heavily edited. They will go. I think this was in New York. Somebody will a person with an education will go up to somebody who's 20, and, and every year it gets worse. Um, he'll go he'll go up to the young guy will go up to to other young people on the street, and he these are the questions he asked just in the selection of TikToks that I saw on Odin's channel. He'll say, what is the capital of the United States? Uh, <laughs> Here's the part that really, I'll give you a couple of other examples. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know there was a capital of the United States. That was one of the answers. Na ready for this? Name three countries other than the United States. The person couldn't name one country they couldn't name, for, I remember being appalled at the fact that the people couldn't find other countries on a globe. Now they can't even name other countries. And, and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on, right? They're getting stupider and stupider and stupider and stupider and stupider, which is what is the intention. It's not really their fault. That's how, that's, that's what they want. They want people who don't, one of the questions is, when did America get its independence? Um, I don't know, it was a while ago. Um, okay, when? Just take a guess. Uh, 1902? Sure, okay. Um, yeah, one of them, Commander Carter, obviously saw the same thing. I uh, said, what state is Utah in? Yeah, somebody, what state is Utah in? That one actually took me a split second. What? I should know that. Oh, duh. Uh, but the person who he asked, what state is Utah in? She said, I, I don't know. I've never heard of, what is Utah? How many is a dozen? Hmm? What's a dozen? I don't understand. If I had a dozen eggs, how many eggs would I have? Ten. Uh, All of this is disturbing, but I'll tell you what is. I'll tell you what the actual pathology of this is, because you see it all the time. I see it all the time. You go and ask a young person something like that. Uh, what is the? What is the cap? Who fought during the Civil War? And they won't. They won't do what you and I would do. 
if it turned out that there was something obvious that you feel like you should have known and you didn't, you'd feel a little bit scared, right? I'd be scared if somebody said, Bill, what's, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's pi to the fourth? And, and, I, and, I, and, and, if, and if it became obvious that everybody knows this, right? It was common knowledge and I didn't know it, I'd be angry and I'd be nervous. I'd be like, well, I better get, I better get going. But when you ask these kids this question, when you ask them, uh, what country did we get our independence from? What they will do is they will not only not know, but they will, they will not know and assure you of how smart they are. It's automatic, it's a reflex. Uh, uh, name three countries, this is verbatim, name three countries other than the United States. Uh, oh man, I'm, re I'm smart, really I am, I'm really, really smart. Um, you know, it's just, I was just never very good with history, and I'm saying to myself, it's not history, it's geography, but please, yeah, it just, it's, you know, I'm really good at other stuff, it's just, it just it history's like just, just a subject I was never very good at. Okay, we'll just name one other country. <laughs> I'm really smart, I really am. And, and this is the result of, of um, the self-esteem movement, right? You're a genius. Everything you do is a genius. You've never come in last. You've never had to face the humiliation of losing a game. You win everything. Everything you do is, is wonderful. Everything you've ever drawn is, is, the, is the best drawing ever. And so you end up with, yes, it's, and, and, and Bamba beat me to it. There's a simple term for this. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And the Dunning-Kruger effect is the observation that's repeatedly proven that the less you know about something, the more you overestimate your mastery of it. The Dunning-Kruger, there, there ought to be a show called, um, ought to be called America's Got Dunning-Kruger because the, the classic example of Dunning-Kruger in terms of just like the most visually, viscerally obvious example is, and I was addicted to these for a while, I've never ever watched an episode of, of uh, America's Got Talent or, uh, you know, uh, American Idol, but for a while there, I watched all of the bad auditions. I watched every one of them, and um, and when somebody walks into a room and and they let out this screech, and Simon says, "That is the worst audition I've ever seen." What? That is the worst audition I'd ever seen. And then the other, yeah, dog, that was that wasn't singing. Are you kidding? I'm a great singer. No, you're really terrible. I'm a great singer. All of my friends say I'm a great singer. That's because they're your friends. You're a terrible singer. Uh, and then they get really huffy and really angry. All right, F you and F you and F you and F you. You're going to regret it because I'm going out this door and later this week, I'm going to sign a record contract and then you'll be the guy who passed on me. And they absolutely believe it. They absolutely believe it. And now we have an entire three generations where it comes to that, right? What do you know about things? Well, I don't, I don't really know. I know everything. Okay, well, great, super. What year was, uh, what, year, what year did World War II end? Uh, I'm not good with, um, you know, I'm just not good with geography. It's not geography, this one's history. What year did World War II end? Simple question, pretty much everybody knows it. Um, 1978? No, wrong. Can't be, then, then, it can't be like, well, I'm, I'm obviously wrong. It's like, no, I'm, I just missed that one. Or the ultimate fallback, right? This, this is the crutch you use when, when it starts to sink in that maybe there's something fundamentally wrong with your education. The ultimate crutch is, well, I don't need to know that because if I need to, I can just look it up. I just Google it on my phone. That's true. You can, in fact, say, Siri, what year did World War II end? 
you can get all the answers you want to. That's not the problem. The problem is you don't have the faintest clue what questions to ask. You don't have the faintest clue what questions to ask. And you ever think about how small their mental horizons must be? I'm not talking about intelligence here. I'm talking about an education, right? I think your mental horizons are, are, are limited by your education. The, the, the rapidity that you can travel from one place into your imagination to another is, is maybe intelligence, but your, but your mental horizons are, are based on your education. And so you have historical horizons, and the more granular your knowledge of history is, the, the more you see patterns and the, and the more you are familiar with how things connect. A, a, a clearer example in a lot of cases is, is have you, ever, have you admit, ever thought, I think about this all the time, you ask these people, which is bigger, the moon or the sun? The, the moon is. This kind of thing, right? This kind of thing. Put aside the anger and, and the outrage that causes for a second. What, what does the universe look like to these people? You know, how far out does their imagination go? Because clearly, um, hang on, political animal, that sounds like a really interesting idea. Get, get back to me on that. Don't let me forget that. I've never seen or heard of the dead internet theory, but whatever it is, it sounds interesting. So, so you see what I'm saying? If, if you don't know the fundamental structure of just the solar system, then what, what does the world look like to you? I guess it looks like what it looked like to, to any other uh, hominid that was, you know, grazing, uh, you know, that the, there's little sparks in the sky and there's a dome and, you know, and that's it. I, I can't fully understand it. I can't understand what it looks like. I think I've talked about this once before. It's been a while. Um, but one of, the, one of the best things that ever, best tests that I ever had, one of the best questions I ever had in a test was something I just loved and, I'm, and, I, and I think you can actually take it a lot further. When you're studying for your uh, private pilot license and you're looking at airspace, when you're looking at an aviation chart, you have to look at a two-dimensional chart that's representing three-dimensional space. So, for example, around LAX, which is a class Bravo airspace, and you don't want to fly into that because then bad things happen to you. If you cross that invisible line, you get in trouble. But it's like an inverted layer cake. There's a there's a circle close to the ground, and then you get up higher, and it's a wider circle, and you get up higher, it's an even wider circle, right? So you can't show that in three dimensions on a chart. You have to show it in two dimensions, and you do that by putting here's the bottom altitude, and here's the top altitude. Okay, so far, so good. But the way I got questioned about that was this guy dragged out the, uh, LA, um, the LA chart, LA sectional chart, and the airspace in LA is extraordinarily complicated. It might be the most complicated airspace in the world, but it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. And he did something really cool. He said, all right, Bill, uh, took a pencil and he said, if you're standing here and you start going straight up, tell me, tell me what you see. Tell me, tell me what's going on. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm not in any of these areas, so I'm in, I'm in class echo airspace. And then I come up through here and this is the bottom of the class Bravo thing and then Bravo through here. And then above that, I'm in I guess I'm back in class echo up again. When I get to 18,000 feet, then I'm in class alpha airspace and so on and so on. I said, yeah, good. And that's somewhere else. And you just go up and say, what, what do you see as you go up? If you were to ask so many of these young people, imagine that you were on the earth and you had terrific vision and you were to just keep going up higher and higher and higher, further and further and further, 
describe what you would see. I don't, I can't do it for them. I can only do it for me. You know, I can say, okay, well, I, I'm here and I get higher and higher. The air starts to get thinner fast, fast. When I'm, when I'm 10% above, the, when I'm 10% through the atmosphere, I'm 90% above most of the density of the atmosphere. The atmosphere is pretty, pretty tight down near the surface, right? And I go higher and higher and higher. And eventually I'm out and I go through the troposphere and the stratosphere and the ionosphere and all the rest of it. Finally, I'm in uh, I'm in space, and now I can see the whole Earth, and over there's the moon. The moon's a lot further away than most people think it is. It's a bigger object, and it's much further away, way far away, but there's the moon. Keep going, Bill. Okay, great. So now here we are. There's the orbit of the Earth, and as you get further and further out, it turns out that you can never see the solar system because if you can see the distance between the planets, the planets are too small to see, and if you make the planets big enough to see, then you can never get the distances in the frame. But Theoretically, I go higher and higher and higher, and here's the orbit of Venus, here's the orbit of Mars, here's the orbit of the Moon, Sun, boom, keep going. Okay, now I get here. Here's an here's a, here's a orbit of, uh, of Neptune, and we get all these uh, dwarf planets. Here's, a, here's the or comet cloud, keep going. Here's the heliospause, okay, but keep going. Now we're in interstellar space. Now we, now we get to the local group. Here's the stars, we keep going. Okay, now we get this, now we're in this arm of our galaxy, and then here's the Milky Way galaxy, and here's the local cluster. There's Andromeda, I keep on going and keep on going. So, so I got a pretty good idea of where I am, but if you don't know any of these things and you've only heard terms like planet or comet, you don't know what it means. I'm convinced most of these people think that, the, that they think that Mars is, is like, you know, 60 miles away, you know, something like that. They just don't have a clue. It's, it, the reason it's so upsetting to me is because the, it, it, it's, it's robbed them so much, you know? It, it's just robbed them. It's stolen from them. And, and that's just plain um, evil. It's evil to, to uneducate people, to de-educate them, in order to turn them into robots who will vote for your, for your policies. They're just plain evil. And, and you would think, and I still maintain there's hope for this, you would think that if you could get in there and show them how much has been stolen from them, Certainly, some of them you could you could interest, right? You could interest them. Some of them are irretrievably gone. Uh, same thing is true for history, right? If somebody said, instead of going up, go backwards, tell me what you see when you go backwards. I, I, I could do that, but I'm not going to. But I could, right? So I know where I am in time, and I know where I am in space. I got a good sense of where I am. Um, so where, where does this go? Uh, Astrochronic says you've digressed, Mr. Whittle. That's exactly true, Astrochronic. That's that's what this show's all about. I really should call it the Digression Lounge because it's a stream of consciousness and it's not a very straight stream, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so anyway, you've got these kids that have no that have no sense of history, no sense of perspective, no sense of 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 where they are, who they are, when they are, what they are, and they are just angry. Um, and, uh, and it's just really sad, but that's what they're counting on. And that's why they don't teach civics, because if they taught civics, then when the so-called president of the United States comes out and says, we've got to defend our democracy, there was a time when every one of them would have said, this man needs to be impeached. He, he, he's not the president of a democracy, he's the president of a republic. And they'd be able to tell you why it was a republic and not a democracy. Those days are gone. 
All right, let's do some questions, why don't we? Even though it's 6.42, I've been talking for an hour. We're not going to, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna uh, short sheet everybody. We're just gonna short sheet most of them. Never enough time to get to this. Maybe, you know, I, I suppose I should just do, maybe I should just, just jump in and just do questions. Really, maybe I should just do that. Maybe I should do a third show that's nothing but questions. I don't know. This, to me, is how the show's always gone. And, but what do I know? Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll do the, um, I said we'd, I think we, I think I said we'd do Facebook first again and then I think we did Facebook again hey Brian thank you very much it's very kind of you it's good to see people talking live um, uh, thank you all for the kind words uh, just a quick a quick remote uh, a, a remote a quick um, repeat uh, if you are watching this and you're not subscribed to the Bill Little channel if you could do that and like it that'd be grand and if you want to go to just type in stratosphere studios on your YouTube search bar, they'll take you over to our second channel. And if you could, if you could hit the uh, subscribe button over there, that'd be awesome too. Two forty-two in the morning in the UK. Hello, uh, Michael Garland. You know what's cool about it being two forty-two in the UK is it is two forty-two coordinated universal time. Uh, you, um, Michael, are you're the world's clock, and the reason you're the world's clock is because the sun never set on the British Empire when we began to understand longitude. And uh, the, the, there is a brass inlay in the Royal Observatory in Cambridge. I think it's Cambridge, isn't it? Um, no, is it? I'll, I'll hear in a minute. And that's where, that's zero. That's Zulu time. That's the universal time. Whenever you want to land anything, whenever you want to do anything international, you automatically go to Zulu time, which is the time in Greenwich, which at the moment is 2.44 a.m. That's what time it is all around the world. Greenwich Mean Time, Universal Coordinated Time, Zulu Time, UTC. I know Phil is, I saw my friend Phil Trick, more than a friend, a friend and mentor who's in the Twitch stream and, and, uh, and you want to, so he basically helped raise me in, back in the planetarium days in 1973, 74. Um, there were no, uh, we didn't have internet back then, uh, we didn't. So, what did you do to keep yourself entertained at two o'clock in the morning uh, in the Southern Cross Observatory, where you can't see anything because it's in the middle of Miami? But nevertheless, you get a good look at planets and stars because it's some big telescopes up there. What do you do? Uh, hey, hello, Honduras. Lovely to hear people from other countries. What do you do to pass the time? What what, what kind of things did you do back then when you didn't have um, uh, internet and uh, and you, it was too dark to read? Oh, well, we would listen to the uh, to the universal. Uh, we'd listen to the atomic clock on a shortwave radio. Really, was that exciting? A good, good programming? Oh, absolutely amazing, riveting. What were some of the programs you'd hear? It was the same program every night, pretty much. We'd just turn it on, just listen to it, and it would just go beep, 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 and you'd wait, and then once a minute, you'd hear beep, beep, at the tone, 24, at the tone, 14 hours, 22 minutes, Coordinated universal time. Beep, 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 boop, beep, beep, beep. And you'd sit there and then 55 seconds later, at the tone, minutes, coordinated universal time. Beep, 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 
Boop. I miss those days. That's that's entertainment. That's entertainment. Ant-Man Channel says, have hope, y'all. By the way, Ant-Man, thank you for that. When I said that the, the, the Biden thing was there to was there to provoke us. It, it is. It's there. They're, they're hoping for a violent reaction. I don't think they're going to get it because, frankly, I don't think I, I just don't think Biden can, can motivate anybody to do anything. But what is absolutely 100 percent the primary product of all the insanity you see going on there, you, you always say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Why, 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 why? They're doing it to make you despair. They're doing it to make you give up. That's the goal. There are other goals, but that's the that's the that's the uh, fail-safe goal, right? They are doing it to make you despair. They're doing it to make you believe that that there's that there's no hope. There's always hope. Um, they just it it works. It works works on me. Works on you. Works on everybody. The only actual hope there is. And it's funny because I think this might have been the very, very first thing I ever wrote about, ever. But if you look at the cycle of civilizations, this is not a rosy place for us to be. But the only thing that's different about, um, uh, about this cycle, as opposed to all the other times that we've seen these collapse of civilizations in the, and along the same lines, right? There's the, the moral collapse, the religious collapse, there's the intellectual collapse, education collapse, the, 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 the acceptance of, of erosions for all of us. This all happened many, 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 many times. But the only thing that's different about this time, and it may be enough to change the game, it may be, is that this is the first time ever that the entire population can talk to each other directly without going through the priesthood. Because if we had to depend on the news and only the news, none of us would be having this conversation. We'd all be we'd all be worshiping Dr. Fauci. We'd all be doing all the things they want us to because we'd have no other way of knowing. The fact that we can be dissidents, the fact that we can share data and facts and have conversations with each other without having to go through MSNBC, that is the thing that is unique about this cycle. And it may or may not be enough to do it. There's one other thing that's unique about this cycle too. Not about the cycle so much as just as just a sign of, of genuine hope, like mega hope, meta, meta hope, mega hope, mega hope, mega hope. We are well out of a second wave, centralized, top-down, city-based, urban, industrial economy and well into a dispersed, fluid, decentralized, small, fast information age economy. The third age, the information age economy, looks a lot more like the first age, the agricultural economy that this country was written for. We are, we are in an economy now, that, and, and, and more every day into it, that looks and acts a lot more like the economy that the agrarian founders started with, rather than the industrial economy, which is in the middle, and this is what the Democrats are all about. Power, top-down, media control, all of these things, this, this whole vertical structure. And think about all of the things that you hate, and rightfully so. The industrial age means you have to have people living in cities. You cannot have a factory 
that has a, a you know that assembles the wheels over here and 700 miles away it puts the axles on no it's all got to be together and all of the goods and all of the supplies have to go so so the second age economy this is the mega trend the industrial revolution meant we had to live in cities and if we had to live in cities we had to have authority we had to have police state we had to have prisons we had to have all of these things and the, and the way you can tell the way you can tell that it's a second age institution and on its way out is to look for the word mass mass transit mass communication um uh, i had a bunch of them earlier before before uh the, the brain misfired um mass right public schools that's an example mass media thank you uh and and a bunch that's all on its way out it's not on its way out because of politics is bigger than politics it's much bigger than politics it's politics cannot catch up with this it is too big for them and i'll tell you who 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 mass housing right all of it all of it mass transportation mass education all of it mass effect exactly um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the coolest is masturbation. I thought, well, that's that's probably probably what they're best at. Um, so so stay with me on this, right? That's all on its way out. Mass incarceration, mass inoculation, right? These are all these mass capture hypnosis. All of this stuff is about concentrations of people, but the information age doesn't require that, and so it 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 decentralizes everything and there is one good thing that has come out of this um uh, uh pandemic the bad news is a lot of people stop going to work and don't want to go back but the good news is is that a lot of people who went to work in centralized offices don't want to go back there for two years they began to realize whoa i can work from home if i can work from home then i don't have to live in a city if i don't have to live in a city then i'm not subject to the pathologies of cities and not subject to the crime not subject to the need for mass transit not subject to the pollution not subject to the to the to the, the uh, um, anonymity uh, any of it so all of this stuff is actually moving in our favor and the person who gets the credit for this in my opinion first person i ever heard talk about this in this way was thad mcconnell i saw thad mcconnell at an event for uh, for an organization that may or may not have existed and Thad McConnell got up there in small front of a group of 200 people, and uh, this must have been around 2007 or 8. And he basically said, he held up his, his uh, phone, he said, um, with this device, I can order right the second, I can order steel from China, pay for it, and have it show up at my door in, you know, two weeks, right? He said, if you think that, that Washington bureaucracy can, can, can catch up to that, you're out of your minds. Washington bureaucracy, the deep state, the, the whole idea of a state, that can track things like steel shipments when steel shipments are ordered by Bethlehem Steel. But if there's 10,000 people ordering steel every minute or two, or whatever else the case may be, there's no way they can track that. There's no way they can control it. So there's a lot of good news out there. It's just that we are now in this period of transition we're right in the middle of the of the of the the um, the the flip the inversion. 
things were a lot more stable 30 years ago, things will be a lot more stable 30 years from now. And I don't think they will be more authoritarian 30 years from now. I think they will be much less authoritarian because I think they have to be. Even China cannot keep track of all this stuff. We are in the age now where the people who, who are used to centralized power and who've done everything, the kind of people who have always wanted centralized power, we're in an era now where the economy is getting beyond, this has happened quite a long time ago, beyond their ability to control. And so what we're seeing is they know their power is slipping away. It's, 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 not, it's not disappearing, it's just dispersing. It's, it's just dispersing. They know this. And so they are making more and more and more efforts to physically consolidate and control power through things like the FBI and all the rest of it, right? Because it is simply dissipating in front of their eyes and they know it. And this gives me tremendous hope. It, it tells me that the stuff that we're seeing now is not only not permanent, but is in fact, somebody, somebody referred to this. It might've been in the comment section for Odin's men I remember, maybe not. I saw it in a comment section within the last 24 hours. Somebody said that we're going to look back on this time as the Great Spiritual Depression. I thought, man, that's fantastic. That's, that's I think, exactly what it's going to be. I really think that's what it's going to be. Um, uh, Brewster uh, says, Bill, are you going to do this live chat on a regular basis? Hope so. I, I actually have been doing the Stratosphere Lounge live for three or, oh gosh, I don't know, it's longer than that, five, six years now, on Twitch. But I do like getting it on YouTube, and I am taking baby steps. People are saying, why no Super Chat? It's because Bill pushed two buttons so far, and neither of them are the delete buttons. So let's just keep our fingers crossed for this, get ourselves a little confidence on, on, on doing the basics, then we'll start working those things in. Um, but uh, Political Animal says Uber was pretty dirty business tactics, really shady, not bad as taxi unions, but not the free market we think of. Yes, Uber was a great example. Uber... I haven't seen the, the the movie on Uber. I forget what it's called. But I have no doubt whatsoever that the people that, that implemented Uber were as evil as, as, as Zuckerberg and all the rest of them. But Uber is an extraordinarily democratizing deal. And when Uber really started to happen, this is now five, six, seven, eight years ago, they would not let them into LAX. Uber, you couldn't get, they would not legally prevented ride sharers from going inside of LAX airport. Finally, the demand got so great, they simply couldn't do it. Um, uh, thank you, Brian. And, and people saying, good to see me. I'll be, I'll be live streaming to Bill Little channel again from now on. So that's, that's good to know. So stay with me on this. So Uber um, was banned from LAX. Why? Was it because People didn't want to get picked up from the airport in two minutes. Uber's gotten a lot worse. But when Uber really started, Uber was a, there was a, a 30 second to a one or two minute wait for Uber. Now you have to wait seven, eight minutes, but Uber really was a minute or two. And taxis, because I remember taking my last taxi cab ride pretty clearly, that was a 45 minute to an hour wait if they would show up. And you didn't know, you had to be ready the whole time. So so stay with me here. So, so Uber was banned from going to the airport, why? Well, because in Uber, I would pay, take some money and give it to the guy who was driving the car. He had a car and needed money. I had some money and I needed a car. It was a straight transaction. There were no unions. There were no dues. There were no tariffs. There were none of these things. In, in, a, perfect, in a perfect world, 
that would be the transaction. In a perfect world, there would be no, essentially no Uber, right? It would just be me connected to individuals with cars, right? That's basically what it would do. The app, it's, it's kind of like the ultimate Marxist app. You create it, it, it brings you true democracy, and then it dissolves itself, right? Now, I'm not naive enough to say that that would actually work, but my point is Uber could be much, 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 much less centralized than it is, and it will be eventually, believe me, it will be. Um, so, so Uber was a classic example of two things. First of all, it's a, it's a voluntary transaction. You got a car? Yeah. You need some money? Yeah. Oh, I got some money. I need a ride. Fantastic. Let's go. Do we need to bring a third party into this? Nope. So the reason that they didn't want Uber in LAX was because they weren't getting user fees, licenses, all that other stuff. Um, the second thing that's interesting about Uber was Uber showed us a need that was there that nobody knew was there until it suddenly appeared, right? I mean, my wife uh, still is is having a hard time with the driving because it's intimidating. If you if you've been if you've never driven, learning to drive, especially in LA, is a little intimidating. But she's we're getting there. But my point is, she Ubers everywhere, and and I know entire generations of kids who who never even think about getting their own cars because they Uber everywhere. So that was a that was a need that nobody saw until finally somebody did see it and then everybody got it. But Uber's a great example of what I mean by this, of this economy. And it's also a great example of what I mean by saying that these second age centralized power hungry demons have, have, have been reaching their, trying to get their talons into Uber. They don't realize how much of dinosaur they are. They don't realize how past time they are, right? They're trying to do things like saying, well, you can't be an independent contractor in Florida. I mean, in California. So, okay, well, then we won't unload the trucks then. There's nobody to unload the trucks. They're trying to hang on to things that are moving faster than they are. There's a tremendous book called the, um, the I think it's called The Spider and the Starfish. And it talks about, it talks about not only decentralized structures, but non-hierarchical structures. I think the basic premise is if you cut the head off a spider, you kill the spider, but if you cut the arm off a starfish, the starfish will regrow the arm, and I believe the arm will regrow another starfish. The example, one of the examples they used in this book was, and it's been a while now, but basically they were saying, okay, first there was, um, was it, uh, was it Friendster? Where you, you got somebody who's, oh, here's a website. I'm going to put my songs up there. Maybe, uh, maybe it was something else. The name escapes me. I'm going to put some music up there, and then I get to download all this music. Everybody puts music up to this website, right? And then we download it, and we all get it for free. I pay for one album, put it up there, shares with millions of people. They bring their albums in. They all share it. Fantastic. Well, people had problems with that. So they went to that company, and they took that company down. Okay. So then what happened was Napster. Not Friendster. Thank you, Napster. So, so then what happened was... Napster's out of business now, so then, then somebody comes up with a way to say, let's disperse what Napster is. Instead of having one website, let's kind of disperse this sort of software so that everybody's kind of like a, like a, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, a partner in it kind of thing. So they're connecting to each other, but there's no centralized site. Then they went after that, and then it got more and more dispersed. And the, and the point that this guy was making was the more you try to smash an organization like that, the harder it gets to smash it will simply get into smaller and smaller and more dispersed pieces until nobody has any control over it. And that is what is happening. So ultimately, I'm optimistic, although I have to tell you, uh, LimeWire, yeah, all these things, they were peer-to-peer, -peer, that's the term I was looking for, thank you. 
uh, Brian. Um, so the, the mega trends are in our favor. And watching this mummy give this speech about about control. Okay, I wasn't moved. You know what? You know what the most important thing about this is. Here's the most important thing. And if you're if you're feeling depressed about all this stuff, and you should be because it's it's horribly depressing, horribly. But if you if you really want to feel better about what you saw with Biden tonight, then I would ask you to think about this: How many people do you think watched that video? Because 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the entire country would have watched that video. The entire country would have watched it if you'd, if you'd seen it 30 years ago. It would have been on ABC, CBS, and NBC, and that means that's all there is. So as an example of how decentralization is leaving these power freaks behind, how many people watched Biden? I know I'm watching, we watch it just for giggles on the official web this is the official White House site, okay? This is the White House channel on YouTube. And I think they had 4,000 views, maybe got to 6,000 views. Every single right angle does that number. And we're three idiots talking about stuff we don't know anything about and have been doing it for 13 years. We got better numbers than that, than the President of the United States live. So that should give you a sense of real serious joy, confidence, and happiness, okay? It should make you reject the despair that they're trying to put into you. It should make you realize, okay, it's not that he didn't say it. It's not that he's not a threat. It's not that it's not something to worry about. It's not yet another sign of decay. It is all of those things. But the ability for tyrants and idiots and senile, demented, old, evil mummies to control the mind space of the country is far, 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 far less than it was 30 years ago. What's the most interesting thing that happened in the Oscars in the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? I, I was a theater major. I've been a filmmaker my whole life. I used to worship the Oscars. It was a high point of the year for me. Well, one of them, anyway. We'd sit together, be 25, 30 of us, and we'd, you know, we'd be like cheering and yelling. I haven't watched the Oscars in since 2003 or four. So what's the, so what's, what's the big news of the Oscars? What, what, what interesting thing happened in the Oscars? What breakthrough movie got people interested in the Oscars again? A random act of violence is the only thing that made the Oscars interesting. And that was just a lightning strike. That was, think about that. Okay, think about that. The Oscars used to be when the world would stop. The world would stop and watch the Oscars. For the three or four years prior to this last one, I rem and this one as well, as I remember thinking, are the Oscars tonight or are they last night? I just don't know. Who cares? Who cares, right? Why is this important? Well, it's important because that's where we used to get our, our, all of our entertainment from. The Oscars represented Hollywood, represented the vertical inf the industrial era structure. We manufacture movies. They require hundreds of millions of dollars of capital. We control that. We spit out the movies we want, including our messages. We distribute them along the distribution channels, and you will watch it. And that is what you're going to learn to believe, because that's what we want you to believe. And then, and the Oscars were critical, because that was, that was, the, that was where you got your entertainment. But the 
Oscars haven't mattered for 20 years. They haven't, added, they haven't mattered for 20 years. No one cares. No one cares. And while that's true for movie companies like Paramount and, and Warner Brothers and, 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 and Columbia, all those universal, all those companies, nobody cares about them anymore. Netflix and, and other streaming services have taken their place, but they're right behind them on the way out. Nobody really cares, right? The glory days of, of streaming, like, you know, Game of Thrones and stuff, that began with The Sopranos lasted, what, 10, 20 years? Nobody, nobody cares anymore. The, the Amazon has just spent the most, let's all shout Bill and see if he notices. I like that idea. Uh, the Amazon has just spent, I don't know what the number is, is nearly a billion dollars, all said and told, on this Rings of Power thing. It is a catastrophe. It's, a, it's, not just a, it's not just a bomb, it's a catastrophe. It is, it is, not only are people not watching it, they're enjoying telling everybody about how not watching it it is. And so Bezos puts this ton of money, I mean, it's the most expensive TV show ever, honestly. It's something like 60, 70 million dollars an episode, something crazy like this. And, and it doesn't look or sound like it, and people are calling it Galadriel, they're calling it Galadriel. Put all that stuff aside. They gave this to two 30-year-old mediocrities who, who had never produced anything, two billion, they've never produced anything of any consequence. They were like part-time producers in Star Trek Discovery. Why did these two ass clowns get the job? They must have got the job because they went in there and convinced Bezos personally that they were the ones who were most able to deliver the wokeness. Do you see how clueless these people are? How, 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 in, I almost said isolated, insisted, not insisted, ins, insisted, inside of a cyst they are. Bezos really thought that the, he wanted his own Lord of the Rings. It's a valuable property. It used to be anyway. It still is because this thing's not going to touch it. So Bezos says, well, I want that. Fantastic. He buys it. Buys the rights to, to some of it. He spends billion dollars on a TV show, two billion, something like this. What does he do? Some some young douchebags come along and say, hey, well, you know, we can make this thing really woke. We'll make Galadriel a woman warrior because women really like to see women warriors. And we'll have black elves and we'll have and we'll have the first female dwarf of color. <laughs> Bravo. How forward thinking, how incredibly, how incredibly forward thinking. Instead of giving this billion dollar project to somebody like Peter Jackson or, or, or Ridley Scott, I'm going to give it to you two nobodies because you've convinced me that you understand what the future of this country is and who's going to come and watch this thing. Okay, so they got it. And they make something that is so far... It's not even, it's not even a question anymore. It's not even a question anymore of whether it's got anything to do with Tolkien. No, that, that, that ship sailed to, uh, to the, to the gray, from the Grey Havens to Numenor, quite, to Valinor, quite a long time ago. Now it's a question of this is just unbearably badly made because it's nothing but wish fulfillment by crazy people, crazy angry people. This is feminist saying, I wish I had a sword and could beat up men. Okay, well, here's your billion dollars. Go make a movie about this super thin, willowy blonde chick who's carrying a sword and she's just doing nothing but slaying thousands of orcs. Congratulations, here's your billion dollars. Go write your, um, your, your revenge fantasy. Go write your personal uh, fantasy about what you want to see the world be and nobody is going to watch it. Nobody is going to watch it because nobody cares, because it's not a character. 
It's not a character. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a story. It's not an arc. They're not dialogue. It's just plain, simple, angry, crazy people telling you what they wish the world looked like. And since it's all based on a lie, nobody believes it. And when I say it's based on a lie, I say it's based on a lie because there aren't any women warriors. When I say warriors, let me be clear about this, okay? I'm talking about individual warriors. I'm not saying there aren't women soldiers. I'm not saying there aren't women, there aren't women uh, in the military who are extraordinarily capable. I'm not saying that. There are no women warriors. They're not temperamentally suited for it, and they certainly are not physically suited for it, which brings us to the whole transgender thing, right, and the whole transsexual athletes thing, right? Why are these things connected? What does Galadriel have to do with, with uh, Leah Thompson? Why? Why are these things connected? What's, what, what's the connection? The connection is we want to believe this, and so we will make it so that you must believe it. Uh, I got a little message here with this. Drop frames detected 62% of the last two minutes, three minutes ago. Okay, well, it's a drop frame as well. I'll have to reproduce those. I'll get those to you in post. I'll have a website. And you can download the drop frames and then you can insert them frame by frame. It'll take you several months, but you'll have a complete show. But, but right, uh, so uh, Lightning Bolt says, this guy talking needs a girlfriend. Hey, guess what, Lightning? Uh, I not only have a girlfriend, I have a, a beautiful wife. And the reason I'm saying that and the reason you're having a problem with it is because you may actually think that there's such a thing as women warriors, but there aren't any. And Joan of Arc was not a woman warrior. Joan of Arc was a leader, but she wasn't a soldier. She wasn't, she wasn't out there hacking down the British. She was standing there holding the cross, getting the French guys to do it, right? That's what Joan of Arc was. There are no women warriors. It doesn't exist. And the reason that it can't exist is because if you look at this, this twig of a guy Ladriel, she couldn't lift the sword. Okay, if that was a solid honor, look, look. This is Anduril, Flame of the West, forged from the, from the shards of Elendil. Okay, this is a replica sword, but it's about the same weight as a, as a sword. This sword is long and it's heavy. I can hold this sword like this for a few minutes, okay? And after that, I cannot carry it. That woman could not hold this sword level for 60 seconds. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. So, if you cannot lift the sword that you are then going to be chopping people up with, then you're, then you're telling a story that's based on a lie. Narsil? I thought it was a lend, uh, no, it's not Narsil. That's a, come on, what? It's Anduril. Surely, we can have these kind of, um, it is Anduril, certainly, yes, right? Okay, anyway. So look, right, there's your, there's your proof. This thing is heavy. The prop version that she's using is not made out of iron because of what she couldn't lift it. 
Am I, am I like happy to be doing this? No, it doesn't make me happy to be, be the one puncturing this ongoing lie, but nevertheless, somebody has to do it, right? Andrew, the Flame of the West, reforged from Narsil, which belonged to Endale. So I got it part wrong. But this nevertheless is Andrew by God, and you can tell from the, from the groovy handle, and also it has all kinds of runes on the blade, you see? So my point is, this thing is heavy, and I brought this in here to do motion capture work for the DS3 dungeon thing, and I realized pretty easily this thing is not an easy thing to, to carry around. You, you don't just walk around with this thing held at the ready. It's a heavy, bloody thing, okay? So, when you are dealing with warriors who are using physical strength, you know what, I'm gonna do, I hate to do this. I, I just really don't like it. It doesn't make me happy to do this, but I'm gonna have to do it anyway. And the reason I'm gonna have to do it is because somebody has to. I'm going to do a couple of, when I say animations, I mean very, very, very simple animations. Very simple animations. Here are two little spheres, and here is 400 meters. Here's a blue sphere, and here's a pink sphere. Go. And the blue sphere is going to go at the time of the fastest man running the 400 meters, and the red sphere, I do the 100 meters, but the, but the longer you go, the bigger the difference gets. And then the red sphere, the pink sphere, is gonna be the fastest woman time. And people need to see, they need to see, they need to see this, right? I'll do the same thing for, for weightlifting. I'll do the same thing for all of it. They can't do it, it's a lie. It's based on a lie. And not only can they not do it physically, they can't do it temperamentally either. Ever, ever. I have never once ever, ever, ever once ever been in a situation where there was something dark or scary and one of the girls said, I'll go check it out. Never. Never happened. And it never will happen. Unless, of course, you know, guys like What's-His-Name become so unbelievably weak that they simply have no choice, but, you know, you bring your own doom upon yourself. Uh, so, the, so, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. There were no... There were no women warriors. There were no women Viking warriors. There were none of them because they would be immediately killed. So I hate to be the guy who break it to you, but somebody has to. I've often just wanted just, just to put an end to this BS, right? Just, just once to put an end to this BS, to really just show it. I would just once like to see... The, uh, a five-person team of the top NBA guys playing the top women's NBA women. I, and, I, and, I'm, and I know that the hard part would be to get the guys to play their best game, but if I did, I would do it. I'd pay to see that because, because people really need to see how much of a lie this is based on. And, and I don't see large numbers of women who are really behind this. The, the women that like this kind of stuff are the crazy lunatics, and they don't go and see the movies anyway. They don't go see the movies that they write and they make. You think feminists are going to be watching Lord of the Rings or Rings of Power? No, no. They just have to spoil it for everybody else because that's what they do. Um, women Viking warriors sweeping the leg. Well, they'd have to get within range of leg sweeping, and uh, I don't see that happening. Um, so here you go, you know. I've said this before, it needs to be said, because I get the feeling some, some people here are new, and, and even if you're not new, if you, are, if you are below the age of 30, 
this is so revolutionary what I'm saying that you're probably just going, I can't, I can't believe that I'm actually saying this, but nevertheless, here it is. The fastest 100-yard time ever run by a woman, ever, was written by, was run by uh, Flojo, I think. And it was a while ago. Every college in America has numbers of guys that are faster than the fastest woman that ever lived. In fact, virtually every male on virtually every college track team is faster than the fastest woman ever lived. And most high schools have several boys that are faster than the fastest woman that ever lived, ever, ever. And I kept saying, man, we just have to do something to show this. And I realized, oh wait, actually we don't. Because the left is so self-destructive and because they're so irrational, anti-rational, I don't have to do it. I can just let, I can just let, uh, what's his name do it? Liam, whoever, right? Do you see that? Do you see that swim meet? Where, and, and he finishes, oh, congratulations, you're the fastest woman in the world. And the race goes on, and he thought, oh, wow. So he beat her by a whole pool length? No, he didn't beat her by a pool length. He didn't beat number two by a pool length. He beat her by a pool length and then back again, like that? No. He, did he beat her by a pool length and then a back? And it, no. He, he won by tag, one, two, three, four, tag. That's how much he won by. So, yeah, Bomb, um, Bomb Bud won. Remember when the women's national soccer team with Megan Rapinoe lost to 15-year-old schoolboys? I do remember that. And she wonders why she doesn't get paid the same as men. You know, the reason is, Megan, is because professional men don't lose to 15-year-old boys. That's why. So Leah Thomas basically has shown and, and there's no getting around it. And, and see, this is the thing about the left. This is why they're, so, why they're so trapped, why they cannot win, right? They cannot win. On one hand, the left is all about not only female equality, but female superiority. On the other hand, they have to be about wish, magical thinking, wish fulfillment. So when you have a male who decides that he wants to go from being the 500 best swimmer in the world to being the best swimmer in the world, and he decides to change categories, now they are boned. They have to believe that this is true, and they have to give him victimhood status, and they have to agree that whatever I think is true is true, so they have to let him swim against them. But at the same time, he shows so graphically, as well as all the rest of them, just how much better athletes men are than women. I mean, just, he just, there it is, four laps. Four, right? Four laps. How do they get out of this? They can't. They can't get out of it. They can't. They have to go deeper into it. So this is what you see. How is it that, how is it that you, you don't find this kind of destructive to your theory that this, that, this, that, this, that this male who's swimming in the female category because he identifies as a female just won by four laps, five maybe? You don't find that odd? No, no. Leah is the fastest woman swimmer in the world. So no, it's not an upset. He's just the fastest woman swimmer in the world. Okay, and you can believe that, and you can say it at your cocktail parties, and you, can, and you can tell yourself it's true, but you know it's not. And at the same time, you also know that, that your daughters know it's true. Your daughters know that, that, they, that they're never going to be able to ever compete as long as this philosophy is in place. And there was a time when women didn't take 
umbrage about this. There was a time when women didn't take this as an affront. And the reason they didn't take it as a affront was because women can do things that men can't do. They can create life. They can create life. They can't do it by themselves. They're working on it. But they can create life. That's why, that's why societies are designed to have men protect the women. Why do you think it's women and children first on the lifeboats in the Titanic? Because women are precious. Men are dime a dozen. That's why, that's why evolution can experiment with men. Right? If you wanted, if you had a hundred, if you had a hundred individual people and they were the last hundred people in the world, what would be the most effective ratio if you wanted to repopulate the planet? Let's just say you, you had, your, aliens get to take a hundred people and, and keep them in luxury apartments, give them whatever they want to eat. You want to rebuild the human race from scratch, you take a hundred people, what is the ratio? You take 98 women and two men. And the only reason you take two men is in case something happens to the one guy. Because that's how people are made. You know, take 50-50. Yeah. Coconut Ed said 1 to 99. Of course it's 1 to, 1 to 99. I'm being a little facetious. If something happens to the one guy, then you're, then you're boned. But nevertheless, that's what you do. Women cannot, you cannot duplicate them. They're, they're, they're too precious. And there was a time when they knew it. And there was a time when we knew it. And we knew that they knew it. And they knew that we knew it. And everything was designed. Look, marriage is for women. Okay, that's, that's, that's a, a woman's deal. This is, the, individual monogamous marriage is a modern invention predicated on the respect of women. Because, like I said, it should be 1 to 99, and that's what it was through most of our history. The chief has concubines. He's got 99 concubines, and he has sex with all of them, and he has 10,000 kids. Attila the Hun, nobody, I'm not sure exactly, but I think somebody said Attila Hun had something like 10,000 children. That he personally, not grandchildren, 10,000 children. Okay, so the smart play from a, if you're, want to follow the science, since genetics and, and evolution and, and natural selection survival of the fittest is all about reproducing, then the, sens then the sensible logical solution is one male, the strongest, impregnates all the females, and they're his property. That's the, that's the way it works. That's the way it works with lions. He lies around. They do all the hunting. He has sex with all of them. He kills the cubs of anybody else who might be there. He has a good 20, 30-year run, and then some younger guy finally takes him out, and then he, gets, then he gets all of it. That's how nature wants it to be. But civilization and, and respect for women and, and love for women says that's a pretty shabby deal for women. So we're going to take the promiscuity out of men. We're going to make them monogamous when they're not inclined to be because biology doesn't want them to be. Biology... Genetics wants the men to impregnate as many women as possible. That's the, that's the plan to make as many kids. The women want one person with status and power to take care of them because they have to raise those kids and they want the best resources for the kids. This is not, this is not rocket science. Every single mammalian society behaves this way. Every single mammalian species behaves this way. It's what it's all about. 
And then along comes suddenly things like, as, as, as Diane points out, Christianity and, 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 and respect and, and all of this stuff. And so men make this, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It's not an agreement, it's a, um, a gift. Okay, let's do that. And so, so women had one man, I'm not, we're talking about the theory, right? We're not talking about cheaters, we're talking about the theory. The theory is, he picks a woman, she picks him, it's a mutual agreement, they stay together, they have kids, and it turns out that creates by far the most intelligent and emotionally capable and independent and successful children. It doesn't make the most children, it makes the best children. That's why traditional marriage works. Not because it makes the most children, you go back to the full-on patriarchy for that. And for those feminists out there crying about this being a patriarchy, they should get a chance to live in a real patriarchy, because if you live in a real patriarchy, then there you are. Now, Infidel42 says, I disagree with this bill. The objective is not to have tons of kids. The idea is to have lots of kids that survive. Impregnating a woman and moving on to another means she and her kids are likely to starve. Yes, Infidel, but that's not your problem. That's her problem. You see, that's what that's what the actual genetics and biology say. They say it's not your problem. That's her problem, right? So that's what it's all about. And there was a time when, when women had a pretty good deal with marriage, you know? I mean, they really did. You got a guy all to yourself. He was your protector, your husband, father of your children, stayed with you for life, pretty sweet deal, really, compared to what the biology is saying. However, that's not good enough. So as you know, women need men like a fish needs a bicycle. And I noticed there's an awful lot of bicyclist fish out there now, and they're miserable and sad because what the feminists have done is they have, they have queered the deal, if you'll pardon the expression, for the women, not for the men. Now women are expected to behave like men. They're going to carry these big swords and go hack men to pieces. Fantastic. That's great. You're going to have one time, uh, uh, one night stands with, with guys. Fantastic. You got the right to do that. Who am I to say no? But whether you like it or not, and you don't, not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the, the, the new crowd. Whether you like it or not, it's only the women that can bear the children. And so they are the ones who, are, who you, if you want to say stuck with it and use a modern vernacular, most people would say blessed with it, but nevertheless, there you are. So modern morality has basically said that women can do whatever men can do. Fantastic. That means men can do whatever they want to and women can do whatever they want to. Great. Well, it was better when men couldn't do whatever they wanted to. It was better for women when men agreed to do things that they didn't want to do, which is, you know, stop screwing around get a job, bring home the bacon, work a job you don't like because you got a family to feed. That's how all of this stuff happened, right? This is why we have air conditioning and, and internet because that kind of family creates individuals. And there you go. So when you see Guy Ladriel hacking guys to bits with her sword and and, and doing nothing but going out and being a warrior instead of being a queen, that's some angry, crazy woman's wish fulfillment. And it's not true. It's not based on the truth. So nobody buys it. Everybody knows it's a lie. Do you really think that, that, that 
most women, normal women, heterosexual women, do you think that most heterosexual women would enjoy seeing a movie where a male and a female go out into the world and the woman has to do the fighting while the man cowers behind the rock? Do you really think that's what most women want? When I say most, I mean 97, 98%, not 60%. Do you really think most women want to see a world where the woman goes out and confronts the threat and protects the man so that the man can, can, can cower behind the rock? Is that what you think they want? No, they don't want that. They want heroes. And men want to be heroes. And so that works. What you want is you want your own wish fulfillment. And by the way, by the way, when you actually have those rare occasions where, the, where you, you do confront yourself with reality, if you get one of these feminist writers who wrote, or, or one of these you know, gamma males or omega males who wrote the Gyladriel thing, hacking her way through the, through the things, if she ever found herself in real trouble, who do you think she'd want to call? Would you want a Marine to come when you whistle in the dark alley? Or do you want a gender studies social justice warrior to come and stop these four guys who are coming after you? Which would you prefer? Bumble's got it. Like every, it makes sense because it's true. Women want to be respected and feel safe and laugh a few times wouldn't hurt. Amen to that brother, period. Now, young people think this is, well, you must be a real misogynist. I'm not the misogynist. You're the misogynist. You're the one that thinks that women should be out there hacking apart uh, orcs while you stay there and watch. But hack, hacking apart orcs isn't her job, buddy. It's your job. That's your job. And, and Bill, Bill Barr got it exactly right. He said, Titanic is a horror film. Right? Oh, it's so romantic. It's romantic because you get to sit on the big piece of wood and I get to go down with the ship. I, I, I like that world. I like, I like that civilization. I do. I think it's the best civilization for both sides. The women and children first. All right, dear. I said Bill Barr, didn't I? I always get that back. It was Bill Burr. Yes, honey. Um, well, take care of the kids, and I'll see you in the next world. Come with me. I can't, honey. I cannot come with you. There's room. I, it doesn't matter if there's room or not. I can't go. I'm sorry. I have to stay here. Okay. So, is that, that's the price, right? That's the price. And I do find it interesting that these, that these uh, women who are having these breakdowns about the patriarchy, just having conniption fits and screaming and yelling, and saying, you're free to do whatever you want to, and you're still complaining about the patriarchy, and you're asking people to help you destroy it. Why don't you destroy it? Why don't all you, why don't all you uh, chicks out there go destroy the patriarchy? Why are you asking us to help you? In fact, why are you asking the patriarchy to destroy itself to accommodate you? Why don't you just go out and destroy it yourself? Why, don't you just, why is there a patriarchy in the first place? Ever wonder, ever wonder about that? I do. I do. I wonder about that. Why is there, why is every society on earth a, a patriarchy? Why? We live in the least patriarchal society in history, and we all know that. But why? Why, why, why is it that men have always been in command? Why is it that, that men have always been in charge? Why? Why? 
I heard a woman comedian, and like most women comedians, didn't find her particularly funny, but she she got it right on the right on the nose. She got it in one. She said, "If I decide to hurt a man, I can annoy him. If he decides to hurt me, he can kill me." And that's how it is actually working in the real world. So why you would want to destroy the idea that men must defend you from other men is beyond me, but it's only because you are confident enough that you will never face a real threat, that you can believe in these cartoon ideas. But those cartoon ideas exist because there are men out there to protect you from other men. And whether you admit it or not, that's why you're allowed to believe these things. If that were to go away, you would change, and you'd change because you'd be somebody else's property. And I don't want you to be somebody else's property. And you know what the big surprise is? I don't want you to be my property either. Not interested in owning people. Right? I don't want to I don't want property. I want a partner. I want somebody I love and I respect and admire. Happened to find that late in life, but nevertheless I did. She's the most interesting person I've ever met. And I would do anything for her. I would cheerfully lay down my life for her. And if she ever made an attempt to lay down her life for me, which she which which is conceivable, I would be extremely angry with her about that. But I also know, having been married and having gone out on a couple of dates prior to getting married, that uh, that when I hear, not often, because I'm I live in America and I, and, I, and I live in a I don't live in a democratic city. I live in L.A., but I don't live in L.A. So I get to go out and walk around a lot and stuff with my wife, and I've done that before I got married, too, and probably on three occasions in my life. Yeah, no more than that, maybe two, two or three. I've been walking around at nighttime, and I've heard a scream, not kind of a giggle scream, I mean a scream scream. And I was with friends of mine all three times, and the second we heard that scream, the three of us started running in that direction as fast as we could. And... Um, all three times we found it was a woman who was playing around with her boyfriend, but she wasn't giving out a giggle scream. It was a scream scream. One of them may have been different. I don't know. But I've never seen my wife have the inclination to do that. I've seen her have the inclination to call the cops, but I've never seen her have the inclination to run towards the sound of the gunfire kind of thing. That's what men do. And and it's not the default position. It's not something that happens automatically. you got to, you know, you gotta, you got to train them. Because if you don't train them, they're either not going to run towards the sound of the gunfire or they're going to be the person firing the gun. Both of those alternatives are, are, are suboptimal, right? Suboptimal. What you want are strong, disciplined men who think about things like this, who have given some thought about what they would give their life for and not, who, who, who understand that there are things that are worse than dying and who are there to protect the weak, including the women the physically weak, the sick, the elderly, and that they're willing to do that because they want to live in a world like that. And if you decide you want to destroy all that toxic masculinity, you may in fact get your wish, but I guarantee you that the people that will come in to replace those good men that you've managed to chase away will not be good men, and they're not going to listen to this bullshit line of yours for 10 seconds. For 10 seconds. You are going to be punched in the nose and knocked to the ground, and that'll be the end of that. So, choose carefully. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm here 
not because I, I'm constantly reminding people of how absurd this is, not because I have anything against women, but because I, I love women and cherish women. And the idea that women, and seeing more and more of this, women think they can go out and kick men's asses, they're about to be in for a very, very bad surprise if this allows to continue. A very bad surprise. I don't want to see that happen, but it's going to, it's happening more already, you know. Sometimes on YouTube you can see these things. Some, you, you, you know, kind of with, with Bill Burr on this one too, you know, there comes a point when it's like, you know, how many times are you going to, is this woman going to hit you in the face as hard as she can before you decide, you, you know, okay, look, this, I've, uh, you, 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 you basically run the card to zero and, and now the card doesn't work anymore. Um, Lady Hawk says, even in the military, I couldn't kick the guy's butts. That's true. You couldn't kick the guy's butts in the military, but you could probably kick a bunch of civilian guys' butts, but that's really not the point. Um, anyway, this is what conservatism is, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a theory that we're imposing on you. It's not like some radical new idea that we all just set up in our patri patriarchy club meeting. The history of life on Earth, and, and certainly of humans and mammals in general, is the kind of patriarchy that men have abolished because they love women. That's what's, that's, that's what's happened. You talk about, you think this is the patriarchy? This isn't the patriarchy. This is equality. This is, you have the ability to go out there and do whatever you want to, and you're not doing as well as you want, probably because you're not wired for it. But nevertheless, this isn't a patriarchy. You want to see a patriarchy? Go to Saudi Arabia or go to... Um, Oh, I don't know, Yemen, something like that, where you will become one of the harem, and your hope will be that the person who owns you will be one of the more powerful men who can feed you well. That's that's about as, as, as much as you can hope for. So I'm getting a little tired of hearing about the patriarchy. I'm really tired of it. Uh, and, um, yeah, so anyway, that's it. Uh, 7.40, so I should do some questions, I know I should, I just, you know. I just feel when I answer questions like this, it just, I don't know, something just, I don't know what it is about it, it just feels, and this I got to get over, because I kind of feel like I'm cheating it, but really, this is what most of you want, so, um, there you go. I guess it's hard to build. You know what it is? It's like when you're constantly taking questions, especially when you're knocking them down pretty quickly, part of it feels kind of pat, like that was quick and easy. And the other part of it is hard to get up ahead of steam when you're constantly having to change topics. But nevertheless, here we go. All right, so let's look at, uh, the, at BillWhittle.com here, members forum. Ba-boom. I will once again put on my perusing spectacles. LTB says, that's an incredible segment. I hope you make a separate video. Eloquence on the sexist. Thank you, LTB. Uh, but you know where the real eloquence is? Uh, on my other channel and, and on, if you want to watch the Stratosphere Studios, now it's on Monday night. We've only done one. It's brand new. But I talk about the reason I want to do this science fiction animation series about things on the frontiers. I don't want to talk about it. I want to show it. I want to show what happens when you have life reduced to its basics. When, when you cannot call the police to come and take care of a problem. And by the way, you can't come and call the police to take care of a problem now. Somebody's got a gun at you and you use your telephone and call 911, they're determined to shoot you, you're gonna die. The police come to draw a chalk outline around your body and to um, 
and to try and find out who did it. So when you have a situation where you can show the frontier in a way that's interesting, then the automatic roles, the automatic, the, the traditional roles happen and you'll see why they happen and why they're good. Not to say that there aren't bad perturbations on it. There are men that beat their women and the appropriate outcome for those men is to have themselves beaten to death by other men. Simple, nothing to it. It's not complicated. It's not theoretical. It's piece of cake. Is Doomcock here? I, I hear many people saying, Hail Doomcock. Surely he's not here. Obligatory Hail Doomcock. I don't see Doomcock. If Doomcock were here, we'd know it. If Doomcock were here now, there'd be a, like, like the temperature in the room would drop 25, 30 degrees. You'd feel it instantly. You know, you'd feel it. <laughs> I guess he, I guess he's not here. All right. Um, so let's uh, look at the uh, the uh, strategy for launch questions and more. We did start an hour early today, but that doesn't. It's really not fair to you. Um, so here we go. Nine oh one twenty two. Nine oh one. Wow. Let me just see how many there are. I, I'll tell you this: the compromises we won't do duplicates. How about that? Uh, there's a couple bunch of duplicates. Page one of two, that's not good. Hang on, I'm just I'm just looking at how much how much steam I need to save here. Oh Lord. Alright, I'll do my best. I'll talk till I can't talk no more. I did not talk about the dead internet yet. I don't know what the dead internet is. Um so I will detach a tab. First I'll open a new tab. Then I'll detach it so that I don't close it by accident. Then I'll type in dead internet theory. That's a musical artist. Is that who we're talking about? Nope, there's also dead internet theory. I'm curious. The dead internet theory is wrong but feels true, says the Atlantic, so that must be true. Uh, Conspiracy hang on, this is these kind of things interest me. Conspiracy theory spreading online says the whole internet is now fake. It's ridiculous, but possibly not that ridiculous as Caitlin Tiffany. Sure, Caitlin, if that is indeed your actual name. Internet theory suggests that the internet has been almost entirely taken over by AI. Like lots of other online conspiracy theories, the audience for this one is growing because of a discussion led by a mix of true believers, sarcastic trolls, and idly curious lovers of chit-chat. Hmm. Well, I have a theory about the dead internet theory. I don't think that the, um, that the internet is dead, but I do think that social media is a lot more dead than people give it credit for. So I would go with the um, with the partially reanimated Twitter internet theory. 
There's no question that's happening, and Elon Musk may be the guy to figure it out. All right, here we go. Uh, and thanks again, once again, for Henry Lundley for maintaining and uh, curating this uh, this this weed uh, thing and turned into a garden. Uh, Jazer McFarland. Um, okay, so here's last last week on the Stratosphere Studio, the first one I said I wasn't going to take any more questions on that from from um, members, but then I realized afterwards, no, that's nuts. So, uh, Jazer, I don't know if you're watching this, but if you are, um, could you repost that, and I will deal with all of those things. I, I really do want to keep these separate. I said I would, and I know you didn't know that when you posted the comment, so I feel like I'm short-sheeting you, but um, uh, in any event, uh, if I see a question that's kind of a, a, a pop culture question, I will, I will, um, I won't not answer it. I'll just defer. I'll, I will. I've won the toss, and, and I elect to, uh, I elect to uh, kick. Uh, so, if you can do that, I'll, I'll do that in the in the Stratosphere Studios, and I'll go to the questions there. So hopefully, I'm not even going to read it because it, it's. Uh, thank you. Although he says I met you at Medford, Medford, Oregon, in the in the comments, I remember you very well. I remember your face. Um, G.K. Masterson. Could you ask people to donate to Brian Flowers' campaign? He's the guy running for Congress in what will soon be my home district. My mom is part of a volunteer team, and it's flowersforcongress.com. Okay. Um, well, by all means, uh, go to flowersforcongress.com and, and, and help out. Because if... Uh, if uh, G.K. Masterson is recommending them, then you've got to be a swell guy. She's been here a long time. Uh, in addition, Jess, also I'm doing a bit of an informal poll on this. How much did you learn about Byzantium and the Eastern Empire in school? How, not how much do you know now, and not how much have you learned on your own, but how much did you learn in school? A few of us over at the Writer Dojo Facebook page are discussing this, and I'm trying to point out that the lack of knowledge about this era of history is more down to Rome as the center of the universe and not caused by boo, we hate Christianity, uh, edited to add, oh, and wow, it seems like we're having the same kind of discussion in the Discord. Here's a whole stream of things that I'm not going to be able to answer. Uh, so um, I got a British education, so I basically got all of history um, in relatively basic form, but we got pretty much all of it. Uh, I mean, we've got history, all of it. Here are the Greeks, here are the Romans, Carthaginians, Phoenicians, Egyptians, all this other stuff, Mongols, all of it. Uh, most of it I learned um, on my own. To be honest with you, I knew the basics about the, um, I knew the basics about Eastern Orthodox religion. I've been picking up a good deal more information on it lately as I do more reading about the Soviet secret police uh, and uh, and especially Stalin's background in Georgia and the whole um, thing and of course uh, marrying a Russian woman has also uh, done an awful lot to, to clue me in on that it's um it really is a, it's, you know, I, I guess I almost said a third Christianity. It's probably could say there's, there's really, you know, four. I'm not going to put the, I'm going to put all the Protestants together. I know you guys don't like riding on the same bus, but nevertheless, there we go. There's Catholicism, you've got Protestantism, you've got Eastern Orthodox, you've got Mormonism. 
Uh, and I don't want to hear any nasty comments about any one of those groups. But basically, Eastern Orthodox is, is about as different from the other three as any of the other three are different from each other, seems to me. Road Rider. Road Rider. Meep, meep. I want to do something about election integrity. Good for you, I do too. Although that makes you a semi-fascist MAGA Republican. I live in Santa Cruz County, California. This county doesn't have to cheat. It's overwhelmingly leftist. Eventually, if it starts to even out, then the cheating will kick in. Our mayor was a declared communist. Another one a socialist. Our, our county is lost. Thanks, UCSC. Yeah, you bet. But still, I want to do something kind of 2000 mulesy. I found it, but it seems to be only in the state of Washington. It's called dropboxwatch.com. You sign up, sign a liability waiver, probably so they can't be held liable if you're shot or killed by a leftist. Then you wait for your assignment slot, where presumably you'll spend the night or day on a shift and watch, take notes, maybe photos of suspicious activity, like dumping ballots in the drop box or the same one, 1963 powder blue Impala makes 12 trips to the same box, etc. You upload all your info, that's it. Have you heard of something like this, Bill? I have not heard of it before, Roadrider, but this is something I have talked about, even though I have not heard about it, because I said you get one sneak attack per war, and the sneak attack of 2020 gobsmacked all of us, but they're not gonna, that, but that, that pass is not gonna be unguarded going forward. So I think this is fantastic. Uh, is it right ethically to hover around a Dropbox and be taking notes? It is absolutely correct to be doing that. There's no harm for that even in an honest society. If you had people doing that all the time, you'd have an honest society, you know? Fences are there to keep the honest people out, but in a, in a society where, where you're simply just dumping boxes of, 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 of votes into, into mailboxes until you get the number you want, you, it's, not only, it's not only ethically honest to do it, it's, 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 an ethic, um, it's an ethical lapse if you don't. Or could the left interpret Dropbox watching as voter intimidation? You know what? I don't care. F it like I care. I'm with you. If, if, watching somebody put a, if watching somebody put something into a, let me be clear on this, if watching somebody put what is clearly an anonymous envelope, when I say anonymous, I can't tell how you voted, that's the entire idea of a secret ballot, right? That's why they're sealed. If somebody puts a ballot in there, you call that intimidation? I say, okay, you're using the word intimidation because it's intimidating you from cheating. I can still recall images of the boys with pipes and such in their heads, hands standing in front of the polling station in Philly for the first or second Obama election. Keeping a careful eye on a drop box is not the same as what transpired in Philly so many years ago. And because you're a conservative, you're, you're not going to bring the, the pipe. You're just going to observe. You're not intimidating anybody. You're watching. And it's funny how people behave themselves better when they know that they're being watched. Funny, isn't it? character is what you are in the dark. Monkey boys. Uh, Road Rider, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the, the back, the, the duplicates if you don't mind, because I, I, I kind of want to get done with this. So here we go. Uh, Tom Skerens. Hi, Tom. Allow me to present my 100% deficit spending proposal. I'm on, I'm on to you already. Consider that inflation driven by federal deficit spending is just one more form of taxation. If you're going to borrow half of your spending budget year after year, why not borrow all of it? 
abolish the this I completely I completely agree with this. Abolish the IRS and all the pain and suffering it causes, then all taxation then takes place through inflation. I'm not saying this is the best form of taxation, but it has to be the simplest and least susceptible to meddling. Would you be willing to accept incrementally higher inflation in exchange for getting to trash the entire federal tax code? Uh, Appendix A, key features, automatic and inescapable, nothing you're required to do, nothing to be punished for not doing, no way to cheat, nothing to forget or report or try to hide, no way for politicians to create exceptions or carve-outs, no special calculations for railroad retirement, income in a war zone by deaf people with one or more qualifying children who have been kidnapped for less than half the year accelerates the coming apocalypse, how much worse could it get? Both parties can stop arguing about whether or not a decrease in the rate of a decrease in the rate of increase of the rate of increase is a cut. Well said. If they want to subsidize something, they'll have to make a payment instead of giving a tax credit. Not sure if that is good or bad. Uh, Tom, that is a extraordinarily cynical uh, proposal and I'm and I'm finding myself largely in agreement with it. We're in a world now where and have been for quite a long time where the federal government prints as much money as they want to. Once, once the, the whole, the whole, I mean, once the, 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 the trillion before the, the, the trillion, the three trillion that caused the, um, the, the need to spend another trillion to reduce the inflation, once that thing passed, look, we've had 30, 35 trillion dollars, we've had 20 trillion dollar deficit for 10 years or whatever. That money will never be repaid, never. And everybody knows it. In, in order to repay 30 trillion dollars, you have to run $30 trillion total surpluses. You have to overtax people. You have to take money from them that they get nothing for to pay down a debt, and you're going to have to do that for $30 trillion. It's just never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. It's not. And I don't know what is going to happen. I know when I hear people with tons and tons of money talking about the Great Reset and prepare to eat bugs, this has not increased my confidence, but nevertheless. So my point is, why is it that we're paying taxes when all they do is print whatever money they need to to make up the difference in order to give away things to buy votes. Just, if you're going to print the money, just print it. I completely agree. Uh, not, uh, uh, DBC Easy says uh, 31 trillion debt plus 9 trillion on balance sheet, and I think the unfunded liabilities are close to 100 trillion and so on. Okay. Um, uh, now, right below that, uh, I'll. Lesko Brando says gold will be worthless in your lifetime. I tend to disagree with that, you see. I think that's the thing about gold. Is it shiny? It stays shiny. That's why it's unique. So I don't think gold is ever going to go worthless. I think I think that's gold has been the has been the unit of trade since we've been trading, since there's been money, it's been gold. Um so I think, frankly, if, if everything were to go to hell tomorrow and you, you had little gold pieces you could hand out to people, I think you'd be the only person buying anything. That's my personal feeling. I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. Faithless said gold is also functional. It is. Seems like a kind of a waste, but nevertheless, gold is a manufacturing material. All true. Um, but to your point, Tom, I mean, really, you're right. Why am I going to be taxed to pay for somebody's $200,000 Renaissance poetry degree when the amount of money they take from all of us in taxation is not enough to pay for that anyway. They have to print money in order to, 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 to write off that debt. So why are you taking my money? If you're, if, look, if you're going to destroy the economy, right, and you are by printing money, 
then why do I have to continually hand money to you while you destroy the economy? I'm with you, man. I think it makes sense. Well, it just means it's going to collapse sooner. Okay, sooner. But no one believes that this thing's going to last. Everybody knows it's not going to last. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I find it hard to believe that we will find ourselves eating rats on roast, you know, over, uh, you know, burning tires, simply because we have such a we become so used to the standard of living that if everything were to financially collapse, I just don't see everything shutting down. It's kind of like everybody not paying their taxes at the same time. I think something would happen. My concern is that I know what's going to happen. The government's going to just essentially say, oh, that's essentially cleared. Everybody's getting a blank slate. Here you go. Fantastic. And by the way, all of the money that, that you lost in your savings account has gone to these people that now own all the farmland and own, you know, all the stuff. What do I know? Um, there's, this thing is not only not turning around, it's accelerating. And, and so, yeah, my experience in personal life and in history is if something is heading towards catastrophic, the sooner the catastrophe happens, the less catastrophic it is. Germany knew the war was over in 19, beginning of 1944. Most of their damage and most of their casualties took place in the, in the year where they knew that they had no chance to win. If they had simply realized that the catastrophe of World War II is over and called it quits in 44, things wouldn't have been nearly as bad for them as it was. But, you know, like Mobile Moto, slowly at first and then real fast. That's how these things happen. Oh, hey, what about coincidence? Marusha Dark. Um, topic, student loan forgiveness. Bill, since this is relevant to current events, have you seen this video of a guy confronting Pocahontas on the issue of student loan debt repayment? Forgiveness, rather, asking if those who did the right and honorable thing by saving and paying their bills, if these people are not screwed. I haven't seen it. Short answer is, of course, yes, they are. Are the taxpayers who never went to college in the first place? Personally, as someone who has massive student loan debt and who's been homeless before, this pisses me right the F off. Forgiving that debt is dishonorable and wouldn't take it, and I wouldn't take it even if I could really use it, since I know how, sauce, how the sausage is made. Good for you, Marusha. I, everybody knew you were a fine person. It's blood money, and it disgusts me that they either gripped off this or are so stupid they don't understand what they're doing. It's both. Having integrity can suck at times. Amen, sister. Uh, I've had to literally starve for my principles at time, but what shall it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? Again, well said. I can at least hold my head up high and say that I've never taken money from the government in my adult life, except that one time when it was all auto-deposited into our accounts during covid as part of our tax refunds. But even then, I consider that a loan that I owe a duty to pay back someday. I know you've been there too, Bill, and I know I'm preaching the converted here, but what can we do to help instill that same kind of integrity in others, especially when the allure of free candy is so prolific? I'll give you my um, immediate knee-jerk reaction, and that is there's nothing you can do to teach this to them. The only thing that will teach them this to them is for them to have the world collapse at least their world, collapse. And when I say collapse, I mean a restructuring of things so that whatever the case may be, whatever the reset is, whatever we just talked about, no one is going to be carrying you anymore. You want to, you want to get, you want to eat, then you get, then you better get to work. Uh, and if you don't, then there's the open woods, go on out there and, and, um, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Play your, play your games on your device, but there won't be any electricity, so you might want to be thinking about picking up that rake and starting to 
uh, you know, with that hoe and start to uh, plant some stuff. I hate to go there, but there's no turning this around. The only thing that will turn that generation around, which again, it's not their fault, but they're so unbelievably disconnected from reality, the only thing that's gonna turn them around is not a lecture, not even entertainment. Those, those people, the, the gone, gone people, are gonna have to be punched in the nose by, by reality, by the reality of what they voted for. And, and the irony of all of this is that when it comes to the left and the right, the right is expending so much effort, time, energy, heart, you know, blood pressure, sanity. We're spending all of this stuff fighting them so that they don't get what they're trying to get because we know that what they want is, is the end of the world. We are fighting to prevent them from getting what they want and what they deserve. And I don't know if we can continue that much longer. I get the feeling they're going to get what they want and what they deserve. And then much will become clear to them. Uh, I saw in the last couple days, it's just a little more anecdotal evidence. I talked about it on the last um, Virtue Signal, which was had to be uh, done at Rumble. But I saw a couple more cases of people having rather bad reactions to their Victrola purchases. And and one of these poor people who's having an alert, uh, uh, an autoimmune reaction, face is just custard, you know? It's nothing but scabs and, I mean, it's just, it's horrible, 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 horrible. And I felt a great deal of compassion and, 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 and sympathy for this person, even though what they were saying is, and especially though, because what they were saying was, I did everything I was told to do I did everything I was told to do. I did everything I was supposed to do. I got vaccinated when they, I, I got, I bought my Victrola when I, when I was, when I was asked to. And then when they asked me to get extra parts for the Victrola, I did that right away. I did everything that they asked me to do. And this is, and this is, um, this is what I get. And, and I genuinely hope that person recovers. But as more and more and more of these cases arise, I think to myself, this is the only thing that is ever going to change people's minds about this whole thing. Only thing that's going to change their mind about Dr. Fauscius is having this happen to them. Because this cannot be spun away, right? This is not something that they can evade. If and it's another one of the things I hope I'm wrong about. I'd love to be wrong about this, love to be wrong about all of it. But if these cases continue to climb, and if they begin to really seriously climb, you know, Victrola problems, then all of a sudden it's going to be clear to those people individually at first, but then as larger numbers of them begin to, begin to appear, if that in fact happens, and I hope it doesn't, but if it does, then sooner or later, certainly, 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 that one individual whose face is just destroyed, must be rethinking her position about people who were anti-Victrola, right? Surely, somebody who, who, who said, I, I immediately went out and bought a Victrola the second I was told to do it, must have thought prior to this that the anti-Victrola people were lunatics and, and science deniers. Well, she went out and bought the Victrola, and, and it's caused her a lot of problems. And so I'm beginning to wonder if that individual person is having second thoughts about people who said, 
We're not entirely sure about this. Yes, Steve, I mentioned this in, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the virtue, sig uh, virtue signal I did called Boiling the Frog, but Deep in the comment section says, cause of death in Alberta, leading cause of death is unknown. That's the leading cause of death in Alberta, Canada. Leading cause of death is unknown. I don't think it's that unknown. I saw another video from a, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, it's not that I'm not going to talk about it, I'm just not going to talk about it, because it's another hour right there. I hope that I'm wrong about this, but I suspect that as more and more people um, start discovering that they bought defective uh, Victrolas, their opinion of the people who were warning them that these Victrolas were maybe not of the quality that we thought they were, uh, that certainly these Victrolas don't have any of the same ingredients that the actual Victrolas that we've been buying for the last hundred years do, all of this stuff, I'm, I'm, it wonders if we put it this way, if this hasn't changed that person's mind, then that person's mind is not changeable. I am very, very, very sorry to see that. I don't get any pleasure out of that whatsoever. It makes me ill. Mark Stein, as Steve points out, is doing a great job of covering the story, yeah. And the number of athletes, well, I talked about this on, on the, if you want to see it, it's on thewittle.com. I think there's a link to it on YouTube, which will take you to Rumble, where you can talk about things freely. But nevertheless, um, there you go. I do find myself retroactively smug about one thing. Uh, I decided I didn't want a Victrola person. I just decided, meh. I looked at the odds of you know going through life without Victrola, and I thought, eh, you know, I could probably live without it. And it was a serious decision. It was a rational decision on my part. I, I looked at the, I looked, at, I found, I found the, here are the tables, and here's your age. Wait, no, your age is, no, no. You're not, Jesus, really? Okay, all right. I guess, you know, I mean, let me check my drive. Yeah, that's sure enough. Here I am. Here I am. Here are the numbers for me. Okay. Those are pretty good odds. How do I feel about this? Well, I guess I ask myself, what if what if it goes south either way? In other words, what if I don't buy a Victrola and I get sick and die? Or what if I do buy the Victrola and I get sick and die? Which would bother me more? Yeah, and I realized I think I'd rather I think I'd rather get sick and die from something that is out there. Oh, Deborah, I'm sorry, uh, we we've been talking on, on the other show, but uh, a Victrola is, a, is a, uh, an old form of record player. And I often talk about Victrolas because other words that begin with V are, are generally tagged here on YouTube and, uh, and removed. Because there are people on YouTube who think they know more about Victrolas than, than scientists do and certainly don't want anybody talking about Victrolas. So as a person who has had a few really high quality Victrolas in his life, uh, I'm not... Um, I'm not fond of this model. That's basically it. See how easy it is? Um, okay, so... Uh, so... Where, where the heck was it? Um, oh, yeah, odds. This is the part I feel a little bit smug about. Um, so, decided... Uh, my wife and I both made a conscious, rational, informed decision. It wasn't like, well, we think about it. No, it's like, no. And by the way, and I pointed this out before, um, 
it wasn't just like, let's hope for the best. We had a we had a solid plan in place. We basically said, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna live a life without music. Yep. Well, what happens if we get sick and we want to have a Victrola to listen to, but we but we don't have one? What what then? So we talked to our doctor before a year before this happened, two months, three months into the uh, into the pandemic caused by the unknown virus of unspecified origin in the immortal words of critical drink. Uh, and he said, okay, if you start feeling sick, go down and get tested immediately. If it turns out that you are a Victrola owner, rather, if you, it turns out that you have the V word, the CV word, followed by a numeral that's less than 20 but greater than 18, if it turns out you test positive for that particular device, call me immediately. For God's sakes, he said, leaning forward as if to emphasize, he said, yes, it is disgusting we have to talk in metaphors and code faithless. I'm with you 100%. I'm certainly not. I am 100% in agreement with you. It makes me sick too. But the fact of the matter is I am on somebody's private property. I did agree to this devil's deal. And, and so we play by the rules that any society that's lost its freedom plays by in order to get the message out until we can turn this thing around or find an alternative. But I'm with you 100%. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Okay, so we, so, so we said to the doctor, he said, if you feel sick, go down and get tested. But if you get tested and the test comes back positive, do not do what they tell you to do. They will tell you to go home, rest, drink plenty of fluids, and just kind of ride it out. Don't do that. Call me immediately. If you call me immediately, I will set you up with wonderful drugs that have been shown to be very effective against this kind of thing, and you'll probably have the equivalent of a bad cold for three or four days, and then you'll blow right through it. So that's precisely what the plan was. But what I hadn't realized was, you see, that California had a plan too, and their plan was to make sure that, that people like me died. So. Uh, all of a sudden, last December, I want to say it was December 23rd, 24th, Natasha's out with some friends. She comes back saying, uh, one of my uh, friends is, uh, has uh, you know, gotten sick with, with that thing and she tested positive. And I said, okay. I like her odds, honey. Besides, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean you got it. And the next day she started feeling some of the symptoms and about two days later, I started feeling some of the symptoms. And the first day or two, I just laughed it off. Ha, ha, ha. I was, I was, was, December was cool. I was going into the shopping center, get some last minute Christmas presents. It was kind of it was California cold outside, so it was probably, you know, all the way down to the 60s. And uh, sorry, took off my jacket because I'm feeling warm. Walk in there with a t-shirt. She says, you're going to get sick if you're not, you know, I feel fine. Went home, felt fine. Felt a little funny. Uh, and then all of a sudden I started just shivering. I'm like, holy crap, this isn't any fun at all. I'm freezing. So tucked myself into bed. My wife, who, who was born in Siberia and who grew up in Russia, had the genius idea, which never would have occurred to me in a million years. She goes and gets a couple of, of these guys, pops the cap, sticks them in the microwave, heats those babies right up, puts them in there and wrap them, you know, between your legs and stuff, and you start warming up right away. And when things get really bad, she took the, the, the blow dryer and underneath the blankets. These people know how to deal with the cold, these Russians. They know what they're doing. So we immediately call the doctor. And he says, okay, I will get back to you. And an hour goes by. 
and then another hour. And then he calls back and says, I have called 16 pharmacies. The medication that I told you about, which would have made this into a, um, a, a mild cold, is not available. And it's not available because it's out of stock. It's not available because no one is allowed to stock it. So I'm sorry about that. I hadn't realized that would be the case. It's common, but you can't get it for love or money. So my nephew was visiting. He came the day or two before we both got sick. He's 13. He was sick for a day, the miserable low-life little bastard. But one day he was down and threw up a little bit, and then the next day he was just fine. And I wasn't. Yes, Comics points out those Russians, those, uh, um, those Americans from, uh, of Russian descent, because she's a U.S. citizen, she's American as you and me. But my nephew, the, the 24 hours later, is just fine. Wants to play um, VR games, and I was very happy that we had a VR setup, because I felt incredibly guilty because it hurt me to um, to roll over. There were so I went through 12 days, I would say. Uh, I know I spent seven or eight days with a fever of 102, and I spent three days with a fever of 104. And all I can remember about that, the first two thirds of it. My, my throat was so sore. I've told the story a thousand times. It's boring, but I just like telling it because it's dramatic and, and vain. These are things that make me uh, happy, being vain and dramatic. Um, uh, so the first two-thirds of the time, I was coughing a lot because I'd had bronchitis when I was a kid. She wasn't coughing at all, damn her. But I turn one off if I turn one on. So I'm coughing so bad, I'm trying to, trying to hold back on the cough, and so by the time we get into day three, my throat is so raw and torn that I couldn't drink anything. I took a glass, I took a drink of water on day three, and I remember clearly, 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 clearly thinking, this is like drinking a glass of electricity. That's exactly what it felt like. So I was dehydrated, and I was, the idea of eating just completely left my mind. And uh, I got sicker and sicker and sicker, mostly dehydrated. And then um, after two weeks, a little less, 11 days, 12 days, something like that, somebody came by to get me because we found somebody in Anaheim who uh, was ready to do monoclonal something or other. So I, uh, so uh, a, a wonderful friend of ours named Ginny came over picked us up. I lay down in the back seat of her car. We drove down to Anaheim, hour and a half. I'm just lying there, vaguely aware of telephone poles going by, uh, feeling the same way I felt when I had the, both the kidney stone and the, and the impacted tooth. Namely, it wasn't a sharp pain like the other ones. The other one was just agony. But I remember, once again, clearly, being aware of the fact that I cannot remember what it was like to not be sick, and I cannot imagine what it would like be like to not be sick. I, it, they were both that far gone. So I get down to Orange County and they get me out of the car and I go into this clinic and they sit there and they take my papers and they say, how long have you had this? And I said, about, I don't know, 10 days, nine days. I said, we're sorry, this won't help you at all. Probably hurt you actually. Uh, we got to get this while the, while the virus is multiplying and it's just way too late for that. 
I didn't argue with him because that makes perfect sense to me. And I damn near went to the hospital across the street, but we drove back up to L.A. And on the way, we found a place which was a, a, a more like a, I want to say cosmetic. It was an IV place, I've intravenous vitamins, that kind of thing. And they, they, they could give me IV fluids. Uh, so I went in there and uh, I got an armful of, of uh, fluids and I felt much better. But before I felt better, I went to a hospital in Woodland Hills. And uh, it wasn't like crazy busy. I checked in. I thought, okay. They put me off in the corner with the rest of the plague victims, sat there for four and a half hours. And after four and a half hours, I just said, if I'm going to lie down, I'm going to lie down at home. So I went home. Now, right around this time, <coughs> excuse me, mail had started to come in from all of you fine people around the country. People, all of you fine people started sending me mail with little M&Ms in them. And, um, and we took some of those, but I think by that point, we're pretty much out of it. So uh, after the fluids, the next day was the first day I felt really human. And then two days later, I was feeling really pretty good. Uh, and, then, um, and then for three months, I was just tired, but got over it. I said all this because I felt a little smug about one thing, and that was uh, there's video of Dr. Fauci taken 20 years ago, 30 years ago. He's being asked about, um, should, you take the, should you take the flu vaccine? This is 20 years ago. Should you take the flu vaccine if you've got the flu? And Fauci's saying, oh, God, no, no, no. If you if you got the disease and you thank you, by the way, if you got the disease and you recover, that's the best immunity you can probably have. We measure our vaccines against the effectiveness of natural immunity. The best thing that could ever happen to you is if you catch a disease and survive it, you're, you've got the you got the best immunity there could possibly be. That's not what he was saying a few months ago. But I found out. Huh. So I had I had retroactive Schadenfreude. I said, All right, so Fauci, you wouldn't admit it when I was sick, and you wouldn't admit it after I was sick. You certainly wouldn't admit it before I was sick, but twenty years ago you admitted that now I have the ultimate Victrola, right? I don't even need a Victrola. I make my own music now, right? Yes. You can just you can now sing perfect pitch. You don't need a you don't need a Victrola at all. And so I never got it. And and now Natasha st still tends to worry a little bit. So a friend of mine is sick with she's she tested positive. So honey, we got the gold standard here. We 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 paid for it. And I don't mean just paid for it because because we did pay for it too. This you know insurance for two people is not inexpensive. But when I say we paid for it, we suffered for it. And you know what? And, and I've said this before too. But since we have some new people here and it's it's been you know what, three four months, so it's old. It's it's been gone long enough for me to recycle a little bit, get a little extra you know a little extra chew out of that old gum. Not only did we pay for it, I'm glad I went through it. I, I think I would have felt a little cheated if I hadn't gotten it, if the whole thing had happened and I just missed it. But I know that's a strange thing to say, but I often say strange things because I often think strange things. I wish I'd been on one of those planes on 9-11. I wish I'd been on Flight 93. I could have landed that airplane. Um, uh, but I have no doubt that if I was on Flight 93, I'd much rather be here. Anyway, uh, I remember that, and and I remember, and I remember this very clearly because I'd done a lot of research on the on yellow fever prior to the whole thing, and then especially when the thing started, and um, and I remember hearing about people. Now, yellow fever isn't you know, isn't the unknown virus of unspecified origin. Yellow fever killed 20, 30 percent of the people, and that was a genuine danger, 
and you would hear about guys like how uh, like uh, Walter Reed and all these guys who came up with the cure for yellow fever in Cuba and later in Panama. And you'd hear about explorers in, in Africa who had malaria for six months, right? And, uh, and I remember thinking, it's not that I want to be sick. It's not that I want this experience, but I should experience it. I should know what it's like to be really sick for a couple weeks, like really sick because all of my ancestors have been really sick and I don't know why I get to get away from that. I'm not saying I would have, you know, it just, I felt like, I felt like it was something I, I should go through. I felt like it was an experience I need to have for the gratitude of it. And sure enough, sure enough, once I rolled out of that puppy and my wife too, and we lost our Christmas, we lost our new year, and we lost our fifth year anniversary, which was on December 31st. And we were sicker than dogs. Uh, but once it was over, we're golden, number one. And number two, now I know, now I have some sense of what it's like when I hear that the pioneers were, you know, trying to make it, trying to, trying to pull Conestoga wagons over the mountains by the spoke wheels as they all had yellow fever, you know, that kind of thing. It gives you a strong appreciation for, you know, where you come from. Okay, moving on without skipping things. Oh, hey, here's Henry Lumley. I think he's talking about the betting pool. Hey, Bill, my theory on the betting pools is that even the betting pools are not sure how to take into account the incredible amount of Trump-supported candidates as the establishment does not support Trump or his candidates. I think regular polls are a mess on these candidates as well, but I do not see organic Democratic support. Do you know anyone that saw gas go down to five cents under the new all-time high and suddenly say, I'm now fine with the still nearly double or triple prices for gas, for housing, or for groceries? I don't see that, and that's why it doesn't make any sense to me, Henry. I doubt this all of a sudden upsurge in Democratic support. Do we see Democrat rallies drawing anybody? No. As a matter of fact, the President of the United States, uh, Asterix, spoke, and uh, and he, he was able to pull maybe 25, 30 people. And if you don't think that's telling, it is. You, do you really think that they turned people away? Do you really think that they had 7,000 people that wanted to be there and they just turned them away because it would look bad to have so many people agreeing with the President? No, you had 30 people there. Polls are like Twitter bots. They are for they are created. They are for creating the illusion of public support. I agree, but but the betting pools are people's money. Uh, I know the betting pools are usually much better, but they can still be missing key indicators. Now that I think is true. I would love to see a poll of the location, career, party affiliation, and sex of those participating in the betting pools. I'd like to see if suddenly this go around, the number of Democratic voters is suddenly higher, representing the betting pools. Pools and Twitter bots are just the audience in a three-card Monty game. All of that is encouraging and, and great, but it's John Stossel's website, and I have a reason to John to trust him because he's earned it. Uh, um, so I would like to believe that's true. I suspect certainly some of it is true, Henry. I think there's something that's not being seen there. I think it I think they're looking at likelihood to vote, but I don't think they're that the betters are fully getting intensity, maybe, you know, maybe they're getting an estimate of, I know how many people, but I don't think they know how many. But with that said, a lot of this is stuff that I want to believe, so I'm suspicious of it. They have been remarkably accurate. Something's happened, and I don't know what it is. Something changed, and that, that, that's another thing, right? It's, it's not like these numbers aren't what they should be or what we think they should be. They were representing what I thought was reality very, very well, like pretty much exactly where I had them pinned, you know? 80%, 85% chance of taking the, 100% chance of taking, 97% chance of taking the house, 
67% chance of taking the Senate, something like that. And then they changed. They didn't get new people in the betting pool. Something happened. I think your theory about, about the Trump supporters is true. I think, I think the Mar-a-Lago thing may have had an effect one way or another. I don't know, but something happened. And, and, I, and, and what's more disturbing is I don't see these things turning around yet. So we'll see. Now, something that just occurred to me, just occurred to me, Let me know if I'm right or wrong about this because I'm usually wrong about things like this because they're rational and reasonable and I don't have a good grasp of reality. But it seems to me that if I wanted to bet on Trump winning, it would be in my interest to, to show that I was buying against, buying him losing because if it's a betting pool, the more unlikely it is, the more money you get, right? That's the essence of how betting works. The less likely something appears to be, the greater your payout. That's the essence of, of, of gambling. That's how horse races work. So if I'm thinking that this is the only thing I'm hoping for that, that could be rational and at the same time maybe explain it. If, I'm, if I really want to make money on Trump winning, what I want to do is I want to bet on Trump losing because if I bet on Trump losing, then I'm increasing the odd spread so that when Trump really does win, which is what I think is going to happen anyway, I change the bet at the last minute because this is not happening. There's not the election is tomorrow. See, so I change the bet uh, just before we go. And, and now I'm going to get a bigger take because because me and a bunch of other people are playing the same game simultaneously. And that game is to basically query the odds a little bit. I think that makes sense from a gambling point of view, which I know nothing about, but whether it's real or not, I don't know. Maybe there's some part of it. Steve Young, CNN's Mr. Potato Head, gone. Will the channel change direction? Uh, yes. Yes, CNN is definitely changing direction. Uh, the new boss there is saying, you're going to see some changes and most of you aren't going to like them. Uh, I think it's become clear that they're going out of business. Um, and uh, and and especially since you know the, the only thing they did um, the only thing they did was uh, was make money when Trump was president, so they're just going out of they're just they're just tanking. Um, Brian Stelter, I have been taken out of context so many times that I have to make sure that every time I construct a sentence, the sentence has to have adjacent words to it to make clear my meaning. So let me just say this. I don't wish any personal harm for him, but I find him remarkable because he, his appearance triggers in me the desire to punch him in the face more than anybody else that I'm aware of, but I don't want to punch anybody in the face and I'm not going to, and I don't think you should punch anybody in the face either. But there's something about that smile. It's, it's that. It's it's that. It's that. It's the mouth. It's just. It's just. It's disturbing. He's a disturbing-looking guy. And um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, conservative commentators. One person I never hear talk about much is Mark Dice, and I, I like Mark Dice very much. Listen to him a lot. And uh, and. And and Mark Dice, do we have voice of Brian Stelter? 
classic. It's brilliant. It made me laugh every single time. Um, but it's that it's that it's that soy smile. You know, it's like it's, it's like he doesn't have blood. He's got he's got soy sauce in his veins. You know, it's he's, he's just he's just a he's just a the most. He, Brian's, Brian Silter looked like the kind of guy that if you, if, that if you, if you put your finger against his face and pushed half hard, like as hard as I'm pushing now, when you took it away, there'd be like an impression, you know, like a, like a decent sized dent, you know, like, like, like that much. And, and it would just slowly start to come out. And if you came back and looked at him the next day, you'd still see like a, a, a decent sign of it. You know, if you did this to his face, it'd be like kind of, you just, there'd be like, you know, it's like, it's like, I almost said silly putty. Silly putty's not the texture. I'm not talking about silly putty. His face reminds me of Play-Doh. If you don't know the difference between the texture of silly putty and Play-Doh, then I pity you for your for your stunted childhood. But if you do, you know that silly silly putty has a skin-like texture. You can you can deform it and it'll and you put a dimple in it and you push it, it'll stay, but it still feels kind of like skin. There's elasticity to it. But Play-Doh is like is like yielding in a way that is very, very unpleasant and, and, and he strikes me as, as made out of Play-Doh. And I remember eating Play-Doh, which is not recommended, uh, but nevertheless, that's why you eat it, because it's not recommended. I mean, if, it, if, they, if they'd said, please enjoy all the Play-Doh you wanted to, none of our friends would have eaten this stuff. We ate it because it said, you probably shouldn't eat this, so we ate a little of it. And that's why I'm a steely-eyed missile man and not some soy weakling beta douchebag like Brian Stump. Who I am now out polling, by the way, in terms of numbers and, uh, and audience members. Okay, so I'm skipping the dupes. Uh, asking Natasha from Laura Yu. I will, I will answer for my wife. Real Swamp, which says that I know how you feel. Trump make me feel like that. I understand that, actually. I do. I completely understand it. Am I throwing Trump under the bus? No. I'm saying I understand it. I get it. Uh, there are there are people that have that effect. Uh, I personally would like to give a strong clap on the back, and I mean that sincerely, not in a gay way, just kind of a Go get them. Go get them. But your mileage may vary. Um, all right, so anyway, moving on. Uh, asking Natasha from Laura Yu, I'm very troubled about the conflict in Ukraine. At the same time, I simply cannot believe that the corporate news media has lied about COVID and lied about Trump and lied about 2020 and January 6th and is telling me the truth about anything else. And yet, as a Cold War baby, I also have concerns about Russian propaganda. Last week, I saw a video that purports to be an interview of a Russian woman who has been to the combat areas and changed her mind about what is happening. Here's the link. I'm wondering if Natasha would be willing to talk to Maria and let us know if what she says is legit. If Natasha is willing, this looks like give her a way to get in touch and so on. I don't know what... Um, <laughs> Deep says, Deep, I haven't seen you before because we've been streaming to Twitch, but it, it's good to see you. you got the Canadian flag and you are, you are, you are pushing very hard for the... For the uh, for the evening's most valuable player award, and and I and I admire that, and it's good to see you there. Um, Poor women who've been to the combat areas change your mind about what is happening. Now I'm going to assume I, I don't have time to watch it, 
I'm going to assume that she was a Russian patriot and then going to Ukraine made her realize that Russia was in the wrong about this. I don't know that that's the case. I'm going to make that assumption. Forgive me if I got it backwards, but I can do something to answer this question because I just plain don't have time to, to view that right now. My wife's fa my family uh, is in is in Sochi. Sochi's on the Black Sea. Sochi is about the same distance, about a, about a Crimean Peninsula's length further away from Ukraine towards Georgia, but it's on the Black Sea, as is Mariupol. So they're not in any danger, but at the same time, they're not thousands of miles away from this thing either. This is essentially in their backyard. And when, and, and before she came to America and became a U.S. citizen, before I met her, before we got married, when, when Putin invaded Georgia in 2008, they heard that artillery all the time. So they're not unaware of what's, you know, of what's going on down there. Um, my mother-in-law, I, I love very much. Uh, she's had a, a tough time out there. And, and since she's an older woman, and since she uh, listens to the local news, she is apparently 100% convinced, convinced that Putin is absolutely right that this is a, a fight to, to save Russia from Western invasion and, and all the rest of that stuff, um, which is what Putin is telling his people. I could not agree with you more about the distrust of the media. And I think it's probably not a bad idea to have a, a, a blanket, universal, knee-jerk reaction to say that anything I hear from CNN is a lie. I think that's probably a healthy attitude to take, but we can both agree that that's not necessarily, in fact, that's not true. Just because they lie about a lot of things doesn't mean that they lie about everything. It's true for anything. So once again, once again, we find ourselves in the rarefied atmosphere of trying to weigh what, what is true. How do you know? How do you know what's true? Um, wow. Def says I'm also a published, uh, uh, he's Deep 250 on Twitch, and he's a published novelist, a friend of RN Feliciano, and a and fellow panelist. Well, that's very impressive. Very impressive. Anyway, back to back to this thing. So to answer your question, uh, Laurie, about, about who's right and who's wrong, I have had a number of people say, you know, you, you know you're, you're completely wrong for supporting Ukraine. Uh, uh, I, 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 th these things are not exclusive to me. People say that Ukraine is, is corrupt and, and, and run by a kleptocracy and, and may have all these horrible things going on inside the country. And I suspect that's probably true. That can be true, and at the same time, I can still say that I'm on their side, and I'm on their side for a number of reasons. I'm on their side morally because whatever the details are, I think the one thing that's beyond any question is which direction were tanks going when they crossed the border. Were the Ukrainian tanks going to the, uh, to the east or were the Russian tanks coming to the west? No one's arguing about what that was, so on some level, one thing that we do know is who started it. Now, I'm a big, big, big believer in who started it because one of the things I see the left do is that they completely eliminate cause and effect, you know? Well, you guys, you know, how come you, how come you, you guys are picking on that criminal? You should let him go. It's like, well, we're in favor of keeping this guy locked up or we're in favor of, of the death penalty for him because of what he did. He started it. 
I'm not saying we should just go and lock up people off the street because I don't like the way they look, but if somebody commits a crime and tries to murder somebody, I think they deserve to be locked up. They started it. This chain of actions has a cause, and he's the cause, and so on. And so when I look at the situation in Ukraine, there's no question about who did the invading. So on some level, all this destruction is the fault of the people who did the invading. That's Russia, and that's all there is to it. There's no, no discussion about that, right? None. That, that, there's plenty of discussion about the other stuff, and I'm willing to entertain all of that, but that aspect of it at least is there. The second reason I'm on the side of Ukraine is I don't know how miserable or evil or corrupt Ukraine is. I suspect it's, it's pretty bad. But I do know how miserable and evil the Russian security systems are. Uh, I mentioned this on the, um, uh, on the Stratosphere Studio show on Monday. I'll mention it again. I talked to my friend Jeremy Boring on Monday. And, um, and Daily Wire has, uh, has commissioned a new series for me. It's going to be a seven-parter, I think, six, six or seven-parter, specifically on the, the, the Russian and Soviet secret police forces. We call it temporarily, anyone calling it the Terror Masters. And I'm going to look at each one of these individual leaders of the Soviet secret police because each one of them had their own little style, their own little period and 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 millions and millions and millions and millions of people died and I need to tell that story because when I see 87,000 armed IRS men that made my wife practically cry because she knows what that's all about so do I so I'm going to talk about Dzerzhinsky, Mezhinsky, Yagoda, Yezhov, Beria, and Dropov, and Putin those seven guys did a lot of murdering, and I mean a lot of murdering. So, um, so there's that. Look, the reason the whole Donald Trump Ukraine thing was based on the fact that Donald Trump called the Ukraine and said, I keep saying the Ukraine, it's a lifetime habit, same as Kiev. This one I try to catch because it's general usage, I'm not being forced to do it, it's not like the Social justice warriors have told, it's not like Ukraine told me these are their pronouns, okay? They changed the name of Peking to Beijing, and okay, I'm fine with that too. So, I know what that state does, and I know, and I know what their attitude is, and I know what their attitude is not from only studying history. I learned about a great deal about the Russian attitude towards Ukraine from my Russian wife and I saw a perspective on things that I'd never seen before. I don't particularly agree with it, but I'd never seen it, and, I, and, and, and part of it makes emotional sense. So on balance, yeah, on balance, I think Vladimir Putin is not our friend. Whether Zarkowski is or not is not relevant. He, Vladimir Putin is not our friend, and, and, and he never has been. And and I know that, and, and I am fully aware of that. So I don't know, I don't know how you take Russia's side on this. The argument is that is that Ukraine is part of the new world order, and that and that um, and that Putin is is there to stop them. But uh, look, I'm not trying to say I know things you don't know, but probably to some extent I know some things that you don't know only because this is my job. I know what the I know what kind of person has to be I know what kind of person you have to be in order to be put in charge of the Russian secret police. 
That's not a good person. Not just not a good person towards America, not a good person. And, and I think the evidence that this is all predicated on, on ego and miscalculation and the being in the bubble that a dictator gets into, I think all of that. I think it's catastrophic, not only for the people that died, but I think it has hurt Russia in so many ways. It certainly hurt my family in Russia. My, my, my wife can't travel to see her family anymore. My, my family can't come here. It's a pariah nation now. The only way I get money to them, which I've been doing since I've been married and which I, makes me proud to do, is now i got to stuff a couple hundred dollar bill into a bottle and chuck it in the ocean and start blowing on it and hope it goes the right way. And I'm aiming for Vladivostok, by the way, not, not you know, because trying to get in through the Gulf of Finland is just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, I've, I've taken some flack for this, but I don't, I don't, and, and that's fine. I just don't think there's much discussion on, on terms of who, I don't have to think Ukraine is good to realize that Russia's, Russia's bad. I think they're, I think they're our enemy. I think and I think that they're responsible, I think they're morally responsible, and I think that the catastrophe for Russia is not just the number of people that they've lost, but I don't know about you, but I know most people who know anything about anything military look at this now and say, I am much, 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 much less scared of Russia than I was before they went into Ukraine. Much, much, much less. Um, so, uh, there you go. Uh, all right, so now on to page two. I'm pushing four hours here. I'm a hero. I'm a hero in my own mind. Three hours and 55 minutes of stream has been going on. But we do what we do because we have to do it, and that's what men do. Men stand up, and, and they do what they're supposed to do, and by God, I'm a man, and, and even if I'm here by myself, I'll still read all the questions. Even if you all go away, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to read them all because I said I would. No duplicates. Offer not valid in California or other regions. Uh, Dave Olson. Hey, Dave, good to see you. Hey, Bill, we're both old enough to remember when the big climate scare was global cooling, then came the long, hot summer of 88, and before you could say Oceania has always been at war with, with East Asia, it became global warming. If you look at a graph of actual temperatures over the last 12,000 years, it looks like a profile of a roller coaster that I'd love to ride, not one upon which I'd base government energy or commerce policy. It's become clear that the human influence of the climate is somewhere between minuscule and negligible. Where do we start to undo 30 years of eco-propaganda? And when will this week's Moving Back to America be released? This is an updated question. P.S. The temperature chart of the last 12,000 years is attached here as well as on Facebook. Uh, so Dave wrote this question before I released uh, Moving Back to America called uh, Go Save Something Else. Um, and uh, the argument, just for the sake of it, since it's already out there, and I imagine that most of it... I had some of these questions before. Yeah, some of these are reposts from last time. I ignored them before. Now they, they seem so familiar that I, now that I'm ignoring them again. Um, the entire argument in, in, in that is this: it's it's I'm not interested in in, in I'm not interested in, in the uh, CO2 levels. Not interested in whether the temperature is rising or not. I am willing to accept, for the sake of my argument, that temperatures are rising, and I'm even willing to accept, for the sake of my argument, that they're rising the way that they say they are. I don't believe that, but nevertheless, I'm willing to admit it for the sake of my argument. And my argument is that, that nothing, nothing in this is catastrophic. 
but that's how it's being sold. And there are people out there, and there are many, many hundreds of millions, probably billion people at least, who believe that in 10 years or five or three or one, the earth is going to die. It's going, it's, it's over. It enters its final death phase. There's no way to get out of it. They actually believe this. My entire point in that article, in that, in that essay rather, was not to say temperatures aren't rising. I don't care. It's, it's so muddy now. I don't care. I have an opinion, but that doesn't matter. My point is we're told that we're at 417 parts per million or whatever. If we get to 420, 430, that we're going to get a three degree Celsius rise, at which point the Earth will die. And in that video, I said 70, 80 million years ago in the Cretaceous period, that the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere was not 450 parts per million or 418 what it is now. It was 3,000 parts per million, and it recovered on its own because that was 80 million years ago, and that's before even Joe Biden was born. So, yes. Earth does get hot and get cold without us. Does that mean it's doing that without us now? I'm not going to get into that argument. What I am going to say is this idea that we are headed for catastrophic destruction of all life on Earth is a flat-out lie, and everybody knows it. And that lie is being used to terrify people. And I went the other way, too. When I was a kid, it wasn't global warming. It was, uh, was nuclear weapons. Oh, and how many times did I hear that? If somebody pushes the button, that will be the end of life on Earth. Really? Absolutely. Well, okay. Well, if scientists like Carl Sagan says it's the end of life on Earth, get in a nuclear war, it's the end of life on Earth, it's not just the end of our civilization, or if you happen to be standing under a bomb, that's it. Game over. Planet over. So it's either ban nuclear weapons, fold the tent, or, 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 or Earth is gone. Earth dies. And so in Go Save Something Else, I say the largest nuclear weapon ever constructed was the Soviet Tsar Bomba, 50 megaton hydrogen bomb, 50 megaton hydrogen bomb. It's a big bomb. But the Chuluxalub impact, which knocked out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, released as much energy. Can you guess if you haven't seen it? How much energy did the Chuluxalub impact release? How many Tsar Bombas did Chuluxalub generate? How many Tsar Bombas do you think? Largest nuclear bomb ever. We had 22,000 nuclear bombs on each side. They weren't all Tsar Bombas. Most of them were tenth or fiftieth the size of that. We had 22,000 on a side each. So how many Tsar Bombas do you think Chiluxalup released? Well, it's not 40,000, it's not 50,000, it's not 100,000, it's not a million. And it's not a, it's not a hundred million, and it's not a billion Tsar Bombas, right? And it's not even a hundred billion Tsar Bombas, and it's not even a trillion Tsar Bombas. Chiluxalup released 20 trillion Tsar Bombas. 20 trillion, 20,000 billion Tsar Bombas. That's how much energy Chiluxalub released. It released 100 uh, teratons of, of, of energy. Okay? So, that means that, that it, it released 8 trillion times more energy than all the nuclear weapons combined in the world. Now, that did, in fact, wipe out the dinosaurs, wiped out three-quarters of species on Earth. It's not a good day. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to that. But what I am saying is, if it turned out that you could release 20 trillion Tsar Bombas into the atmosphere of the Earth and still have life come back to the point where, where we are now, and it didn't take us 65 million years to get this thing back, by the way. The Earth got it back within a couple hundred thousand years at the most, probably within tens of thousands of years. But the point of it is, none of us would be here if that thing hadn't happened. So it didn't kill the Earth either, right? So if, if, if Chaluxalub 
didn't kill the Earth, and if 3,000 parts per million didn't kill the Earth, this talk about saving the planet is just plain insane. It's just not true. It's not true. And, and for me to get into the whether it's happening, what it's happening, how much, is, 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 is a waste of my time. It's not the point. The point is, I don't know, man. Uh, J.B. Coulter may win the internet for tonight. 20 trillion? La, 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 bamba. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyway. Um, see what I'm saying? This is, this is the kind of thinking that people should be doing. This is how you think critically. Are we in existential danger? It's possible that we would be. If they were saying, if the, if the scientists were, this is clear, so we're clear on this. If the scientists were saying that we were heading someplace that we have never been before, I would take this much more seriously. But what they're saying is, we are heading towards territory that is going to be approaching one-sixth of the total carbon dioxide saturation that this planet has, has dealt with and, and recovered from. We are, we are beginning to approach one-sixth of the total that we know for a certain fact existed. Therefore, we must shut down everything. Then that's just plain, it's over. That argument is over. Let's see. Okay, um, Martin Archer. We've got two here. I'll take the second one. Deep fake. Sooner or later, the left will try to use deep fakes to discredit Trump. Those of you not familiar with deep fakes, you'll see me talk about this a lot more on the Stratosphere Studio on Monday nights at 6 uh, and 9, 6 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Deep fake is the technique where the uh, where artificial intelligence will take a look at somebody's actual facial expressions go and find um, or create matching expressions from a target like Tom Cruise or whoever, and so you see Tom Cruise talking when it's not really Tom Cruise. That's what deepfake is. Sooner or later, the left will use deepfakes to discredit Trump, DeSantis, and everyone else on our side. I personally think deepfake can rise to the level of a moral crime because it's such a powerful steal from the original person, but I suggest we preempt the evil left by making deepfakes of Fauci making his deals with China back before the COVID crap developed as they planned. Biden's handlers discussing their Chinese Communist Party's instructions on what to do next to destroy the USA, internal DNC discussions about their desperation without having these two basket cases at the top of the ticket, and any number of other things. These conversations actually took place, but they are kept as deep secrets by the CCP Democrats. Deep fakes could illustrate how evil they are. I, I, am, I, I get that argument, and I, it's an interesting argument. And while I was once opposed to this kind of thing on moral grounds, I realized you can no longer stand on moral grounds with people who don't have any morality. If you're playing with people that don't buy, play by the rules, you either stop playing by the rules or you lose. And, and if you lose, then, then it's end of, end of civilization, end of goodness, and end of, and end of Christmas. So I'm not opposed to doing that on principle because they fight dirty. And, and, and while I don't like to fight dirty, that's the only way you can fight people who fight dirty. But the reason I think it's a bad idea is because since all of this stuff is true, the last thing I want is to put out something that can be shown to be a fake. Because if I put out a fake version of something true, and then they can prove it's a fake, then it negates the fact that it's true. Uh, and given the uh, fact-checking universe that we live in, all I have to is if I create evidence That weakens my case. And and much more importantly, I don't have to create evidence because I've got evidence. So faking evidence is dangerous. And the only reason you would fake evidence would be if you don't have it. 
because if you fake evidence and you get discovered about being the fake, then people assume that your evidence is wrong. That's dangerous. Um, and, I, and, and I don't think that's a, a wise idea. So I would generally be against that. But um, uh, I wouldn't be um, beyond doing stuff that was a little more puckish, you know? I mean, if I think the best use for deep fake and fighting this war would be to do something that everybody knows is fake, but it's funny because it, what I think, the kind of thing I would, I would do is, instead of trying to say, here's actual footage of, of, of Biden taking money from CCP, I would do something where I've got Biden and, and, and whatever his name is uh, standing there shaking hands or, or, or putting money in each other's pockets or, or, or something, I'd do something that was clearly fake, but at the same time told the truth, as opposed to something that's trying to be the truth, which can be proven to be fake. I would, I would just basically go, yeah, like the Babylon Bee, exactly. It's, it, that Babylon Bee is in exactly the right place. They can, they can say things that everybody knows is false, but it's essentially telling the truth, you know? Hunter Biden, um, uh, what was it, breathe sigh of relief as FBI passes house and head for Marla, well, whatever, you know, that's, that's obviously not true, but it's true, and that's really the way to go. So, um, well, they, uh, they said Babylon Bees dropped a, a new thing on the, um, the Lord of the Rings things, which I was talking about earlier, and some things were worth interrupting the program for. I just have to see this. I remember, and I genuinely believe this for the longest time, I believed that it was impossible to do conservative comedy because it was fundamentally predicated on a kind of cynicism, and, uh, and that's why The Onion was so successful, because they were so left-wing. I have been utterly and absolutely disproven by this, these guys. They're the most brilliant um, satirists ever. And uh, just to show you, for those of you who've been with us for the whole uh, stream, which has now entered four hours and eight minutes length, uh, I will do a quick screen grab from what the Babylon Bee just put up, which I imagine you haven't seen yet. Uh, here it comes. And uh, give me a second while I um, plop it into both windows. Here's the latest from the Babylon Bee. Yeah. These guys. Looking for their Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's... Oh, hang on. Well, two, two takes on it. One of them is um, Amazon delivers another pile of unwanted crap to your house. And the second one on Rings of Power is Rings of Power Review. A storytelling atrocity with Bush League production and acting so bad it's offensive, but there's a black dwarf, so five out of five stars. There you go. Perfect. Um, and there's this I, I not you know what I'm, I'll, I'll skip it you just go to the Babylon Bee I'm not going to just do cuts of them one picture of, there's a picture of uh, Tucker Carlson with that look you know the look that we all have all the time you know this uh, this look 
sorry for those of you on Twitch. Let me get that out of the way. I'm trying to, you know, this look. That disbelieving look. And uh, the, the headline is, the caption is, um, after dismissing warnings from his mother, Tucker Carlson's face is now stuck that way. Yeah, I'm with you, Tucker, 100%. All right. Uh, let's get this thing uh, put to bed, shall we? Three to go. And I may have answered one of them, so maybe only two to go. Uh, Justin Witsit. Well, Justin, anybody who's got a Bender um, uh, avatar is, is, in my, um, is in my good books forever. Uh, I'm friends with Maurice Lamar. She does the, the voice of... Um, oh, my God, it's been so long since I've seen the show. Um, he did more bar. He did, um, what's the name of the, of the super weak amphibian first officer? It's been so long. Um, anyway, he's, he's, uh, he got me, uh, 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 my friend Maurice LaMarche got me to a, um, table read for Futurama, uh, on their, when they did the final four episodes for special or something. That was really fun. Okay, here we go. Um, Justin Witsit. When will the conservative love affair with police and law enforcement be over? Well, I think it's well on its way, to be perfectly honest with you, um, uh, Justin. Uh, my uh, great respect for the FBI, not what it used to be, I think is probably about as uh, understated as I can make it, but let's continue. I was raised Christian conservative. My parents never cast a vote for Democrat, but the same conversation that I hear black Americans giving to their children and conservative types berating them for it is the same conversation I got from my parents. When I started driving, my dad talked to me about cops and his exact words and his exact words were, most of them are petty tyrants. Don't give them a reason to harass you because if they get a chance, they will ruin your life. Just keep your mouth shut and play along with their game to get them to go away. I've never felt this undying love and, ad and admiration for law enforcement, and I don't understand how the political party that reveres our founding and our revolution, you know, the ones where we all got sick and sick of it and started shooting the cops that were wearing wet coats, have been uh, licking the boots of people with badges. Law enforcement has limited immunity, so they cannot be charged with the same as you or I. The courts have ruled that they have no obligation to help or act if someone is in danger. So as disgusting as the situation in Uvalde was, it was totally backed by law. Government will never hold itself accountable. And when there is enough outrage like the death of George Floyd, when there is enough out outrage like the death of George Floyd, they will not hold government agencies and institutions accountable. They will pick a scapegoat and throw them under the jail. I've seen what happened at Ruby Ridge, Waco, Texas. I watched the police beat up old women and take their guns after Hurricane Katrina in order to protect looters. Now we have watched police enforce completely unlawful police enforce completely unlawful dictates for mayors and governors using COVID, and watched the FBI raid a former president' private residence. How much more will it take for conservatives to finally cross the thin blue line? In every other aspect of life, we want less government and free market because it works better, but law enforcement for some reason. Conservatives want a bigger and stronger, more powerful state. To me, this looks like a fatal inconsistency. Well, Justin, I think I can help you with that, actually. Um, the, the, the way your argument is constructed is, uh, is, is to make this into a, um, a binary thing. You are either 100% for law enforcement or you're 100 against 100% against law enforcement. Uh, when are you going to cross the line is the question you ask. When are you going to go from being 100% for law enforcement to being 100% against law enforcement? 
But the problem with that argument is I'm not 100% for law enforcement, uh, and I never have been. Certainly, certainly, I have been much higher percentage in favor of law enforcement than I am now, but I'm still more than 50% in favor of law enforcement. I haven't, I haven't crossed the binary line, and, not, and nor have I reached the, the, the tipping point. If you ask me if there are uh, police brutality issues, of course there are. And if you ask me, are there better police forces in the world? There are, in fact. The British police, well, used to be the British police force. I've never had the problem with policemen that you talk about. I've never had that conversation with my father. I'd be willing to bet you most people watching this, doesn't mean it's right, just means it's different. Most people watching this have not had the kind of uh, problem that you or your, or your father mentioned. I've never looked at the police that way before. I still don't look at the police that way. Uh, I look at the I look at the number. I think what's going on here is, and, I, and I'm treating this problem completely, uh, question completely respectfully because it's a perfectly respectfully asked question and it's a serious question. I think what's going on here, if I had to guess, Justin, is you're looking at all of these incidents of police misconduct, and you're looking at the planes that crashed, but you're not looking at the planes that land safely. And that's part of this toolbox on, on how to think critically. Uh, that is, yes, count the hits, but, you, but to get an idea of your accuracy, you, you don't just count the hits, you have to count the misses as well, right? Um, and speaking of the misses, I need to get home to mine pretty soon, but nevertheless. Uh, so, yes, all the things you say are true. Uh, Uvalde and Ruby Ridge and, 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 the, and the cops and so on. And I think most people would tell you, this has certainly been my experience, my personal experience, that most of the policemen I've run into are actually really good guys. I have run into some guys who are some of the worst people I ever met. The biggest criticism I can personally come up with against the police is that the police seem to have been historically and, in, and into the present far more willing to tolerate bad policemen. And this hurts them enormously. Um, I understand the George Floyd situation was not a case of a policeman walking up and murdering George Floyd, but nevertheless, my understanding is that the officer in question had a number of disciplinary charges against him, and he continued to get hired. My personal experience with bad policemen comes from me playing Little League Baseball uh, in Key Biscayne, Florida. Uh, I got drafted. There were six teams, I got, and, and we didn't have these newfangled uniforms. We had T-shirts and caps, so we had, I want to say we had six teams. In my first day, I was... Uh, I was assigned to Scarlet Red. Scarlet Red was taught by two young men in their early 20s, which tell you something, uh, named the Palmetter Brothers. And, um, and the Palmetter Brothers uh, were, were sadists. The Palmetters would have you, would practice, we're, we're talking about 10-year-old kids here now. The Palmetters would practice sliding into home base by having you start on the third baseline run towards home plate, and then they would swing a bat where your face would be, and you would go in underneath the bat, which I thought was not the kind of team I wanted to be on. So I left Scarlet Red after the first day and ended up on Maroon, which was coached by a guy named uh, Bob Kirkwood, who is, I think, a real estate guy, one of the kindest men ever. Took us out to buy Slurpees, whether we won or lost. It was a little walk down to 7-Eleven. Said, guys, did your best. Get them next time. We were 0-10 our first year. We were 10-0 our second year, and that was uh, Bob Kirkwood, who was a good guy. I say all this because... Uh, many, many, many years later, I found out that the Palmetter, one of the Palmetter brothers, had gone into the Miami-Dade um, uh, police force. 
and was listed as one of the deadliest cops in America for something like seven years in a row. He had been year after year after year after year after year had the most complaints about physical violence, most complaints about overuse of force, most complaints about arrogance, most complaints about um, authoritarianism. He's just a bad guy. He was a bad guy his entire life. He was born bad. How he got the job in the first place is a bit of a mystery to me, but the fact that he kept the job is nobody's fault but the Miami-Dade Police Department. And damage that this guy did to the Miami-Dade Police Department is immeasurable. I'm talking about it now, right? So... That's my most universal complaint about police in general. On the other side of the equation, uh, my wife and I are both late night people and we both like going for a late night walk and they're just as in the olden days, uh, there's a 7-Eleven, it's not too far from our house and sometimes we'll walk down there just because we feel like it. And more often than not, there will be a, a number of policemen outside and, um, and they're just standing there talking. Uh, during the George Floyd thing, the, 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 where I lived, the number of, of, how, of storefronts on Ventura Boulevard that were boarded up with plywood and had BLM on it, like, you know, anointing the lintel with blood so that these angels of death would pass over it, uh, that got to within about a quarter of a mile, not from our house, but a quarter of a mile from the road that would lead from our house down to Ventura Boulevard. And so things were pretty bleak, and I saw these guys outside, and they were talking, and this was right in the middle of it. You know, everything's going on, everything's on fire, and, and I walked over to them, and I said, I just want you guys to know that I think that you guys do a good job, and, and I think most of you, I think most citizens feel that way and, and, and hang in there. You know, we're not, all, we're not all like that. And some of those guys look like they're about to cry because they are good guys, and, and it's a tough job. And, and to say it's a tough, it, it's the toughest job. It's not just the toughest job in terms of the line you have to walk, how much force do you use, and so on. You know, on some level, you know, if you're a policeman, I'm not a policeman, but you know if you are a policeman, you know that you are protected by a little tiny piece of tin, right? That's it. That's your body armor. I know we're wearing body armor now, but you get the point, right? This is the reason why people have to listen to you, and this is the reason why some people don't walk up and shoot you. But every time you pull a car over... Every time you write a traffic ticket, you don't know if a guy's going to reach between his legs, pull out a gun, shoot you in the face. So I tend to write a lot of, of um, hall passes for people like that. It doesn't mean I, I support or even tolerate abusive policemen, but I certainly am not in their shoes, and I'm damn glad I'm not in their shoes, and I'm damn glad somebody else is in their shoes doing what they're doing. Most policemen do their job really well. And so I support the police, except when I don't. If it turns out that there's a problem, then I have a problem. I got, when I was a limo driver, I got pulled over by a, by a cop who said I made a, a right turn on a, on a red, and, uh, and I said I had, a, I had a turn arrow. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, well, are you arguing with me? I said, no, I am not. No, sir, I am not. He said, sign this. I said, is this an admission of guilt? He said, it is not. I said, thank you very much. And uh, I said, I'll see you in the courtroom. So I went back, and I, and I just kept taking steps back. This is in the olden days, 88, 89, 90, something like that. Pretty sure I still had to use a Polaroid. But I basically took pictures walking back the street, showing that the turn arrow was invisible from where this guy was. So I went to court, and I won the case. Okay, so hooray for me. 
But with all of that stuff, you have to say to yourself, does there come a point when I go from 100% support to 100% uh, uh, contempt? No, because I'm not at 100% support now and never have been. I'm against bad cops. I think most of them are good cops. I think that there are more bad cops now than there were before. That's alarming, and it lowers my overall uh, respect and affection for the police in general. Now, my respect for the FBI used to be extremely high because I'd never had to deal with the FBI, so I'd never had to run into any bad FBI agents. I had a high level of respect for the FBI. My respect for the FBI was uh, motivated by their reputation and also by the propaganda, which I thought was based mostly on the truth, things like the show, you know, the FBI with Efren Zemlis Jr., the untouchables and all that other stuff. Those are fundamentally true stories. So I was, I was a big fan of the FBI. And I do know enough about, about the Soviet system to know that somebody's got to be stopping those swines. So the fact they were fighting communists also meant I had a lot of respect for them. It is impossible to imagine that the KGB or the Soviet Union or the Chinese or all of them combined could have done as much damage to the FBI as James Comey has done. But he has done more damage to the FBI than, than any of them. And one of the reasons why I don't go into full-on anti-police mode is because I've, I know a number of FBI and former FBI agents who say, yeah, we all feel the same way. He's, he's utterly destroyed this organization. And he has. I have no confidence in them whatsoever. None. Uh, I think the FBI needs to be, I think the brand is irrevocably damaged the same way I think the Star Wars brand is irrevocably damaged. I think that the FBI needs to be disbanded and dissolved because of the fact that they, from before 2016 until the present day, have been the secret police of the Democratic Party. And I will never trust them again. I'll never respect them again. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, if there, while I know there are agents of integrity left in the FBI, I suspect there are fewer and fewer of you every time I come to f confronted with this. And I, would, and I would say to you, if you are one of those people, the only thing you can do now to save your own souls and stuff is to resign en masse and say why. Just, it's like that thing we talked about much earlier, like if, you, if everybody stops paying your taxes, then the system collapses. If every honest agent in the FBI resigned at the same time and said why, said we're leaving this organization because it has become a political army for the Democrats, then I would say, good, you've, you've kept your oath to the Constitution. But they're not doing that. And, and so that, yeah, that, that continues to erode my faith in things. I used to think, and I said out loud, prior to 2019, I said the only two or three parts of the government that really work, one of them is the National Transportation Safety Board, the other one's the CDC. I really meant it. I don't believe that anymore. Uh, I've watched the CDC, um, and, uh, and, I've, and, and, I, and, I, and I've watched the data, and I've watched what they said, and, and I had enormous respect for them. I have zero respect for them now. The CDC is irrevocably uh, destroyed, in my opinion, in terms of its reputation. And all of this because all of this stuff got politicized. And that's what the left does. They politicize everything. There are times when I see things like the Mar-a-Lago raid and I listen to the response of the left to the Mar-a-Lago raid and I say that this country has been divided so surgically, so precisely, that it cannot be an accident, that this is a psychological, a, a, a 20 or 30 year on extraordinarily complex, extraordinarily brilliant and continuously updated and modified psychological operation. The country is divided so 
perfectly and so viciously that I do not believe that that is an accident, which is, um, which is, you know, which is that. So, um, so yeah, but look, ultimately, really, ultimately, what your question is, because you're not talking about getting rid of bad cops, you're talking about when will we stop licking the boots of the people that do law enforcement. I believe in law enforcement. I think without law enforcement, you don't have any law enforcement. And without enforcement, then many people don't obey the laws. The good people do, but they're not the problem. You have to have somebody to enforce the laws. And that means law enforcement. And that means the police. And I would rather live in a world so far, much rather live in the world with the police we have now than in a world without police. And the point where I would rather live in a world with no police rather than police would be when we get to something like the Gestapo or, or the Cheka or the NKVD or the OGPU or the, um, or the uh, KGB, FSB, whatever you want to call them. When the police start taking people away in mass and murdering them, then it's worse to have police than not police. We are not at that point. If we get to that point, then, then yes, then I will say, okay. And even then, there will still be good, good policemen there but they will have, have left because good people will put up with a lot, but they won't put up with being a, a part of an organization that just goes out and commit murder. So uh, there's your answer. Uh, it's, it's very similar to the Ukraine answer. And, and I'm not accusing you of anything, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's not childish or, or silly. I just think it's false and tempting to make these things binary. It's like, okay, Bill, so you're against Russia. That means you're 100% in favor of Ukraine and you support everything Ukraine does. It's not true. That's not how, it's not how life works. I can be opposed to corruption and all the rest of it in Ukraine and still be on the side of Ukraine. I can be opposed to bad cops and I can be opposed to overuse and misuse of state power and still feel like, on balance, I'd rather have police than not police. So there you go. My choices are good police, current police, no police, bad police. And, uh, and if things continue to go this way, then we may get to the point where I get to the no police thing. And, and we may get to the point where we get to the, okay, now they're murderers and they need to be actively fought and, 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 and they're the active enemy. But I don't think we're at that point. I don't think we're even close to that point yet. I know that out there, I know, I know that watching the when I watched these cities burn and watched the police stand there, I know that the policemen were ordered to stand there by the, by the, by the police chiefs and the, and, the, and the politicians. I don't think many of them wanted to do that. I think most of them were mortified by it. So there you go. Anyway, it's, it's, I don't see it as a binary thing, and I don't think we're at the tipping point or anywhere near it personally, but there you go. Uh, okay, so uh, Joe, uh, Joe's got a question about polls and I think we covered that pretty much, I hope we did, yeah, about predicting the election and so on. And then Chris Taylor's got one about, um, about uh, Ukraine and stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, use an executive order here to say that we've mostly covered that. Uh, was, it, was it last for Lounge that we did four hours? Or was it the one before that? I think it might have been the one before that. Uh, we are here for four and a half hours now. We've been streaming for four hours and 29 minutes and I'm a tired cowboy, so I'm gonna go home. Um, and, uh, and so we will be back on Monday night. I, I'm not gonna post this right away because uh, tomorrow, or maybe over the weekend, conceivably as late as Monday, 
I'm going to take the opening of this and I'm going to slot in Biden's stuff so it syncs up with what I'm saying. So while the, the number of you that are watching this live, who watched it live and didn't hear this, the, the stream, you will be the minority. Most of the people watching this on YouTube will see it. I'll provide the Joe Biden and me in real time so that we're talking. Lily Gazu says, do more streams. I'm thinking, you bet I will, because this is, number one, fun, and this is where the algorithms are. It'd be nice to be ahead of a wave instead of way behind it. For once, I used to body surf. I know what it's like to miss a wave. It's a terrible, miserable feeling to be swimming as fast as you can for yourself going up and then just thinking, like, oh, well, there we go. Just there it goes. All right. Thanks. It's fun, fun coming out. Glad I got the wetsuit on. I don't need a wetsuit. I body surfing. That's a great feeling, by the way. There's nothing better than, no, I won't say nothing, but you get picked up on a decent, on a good sized wave, body serpent, and all of a sudden you find yourself going downhill like this. That's a blast. That's a lot more fun than being on a board, I think. But what the hell do I know? Hey, guess what? Uh, this show is made possible by the uh, members at BillWhittle.com. Uh, if you're new to the stream or new watching the show uh, and you can uh, become a member, that's great because this show and all the other shows that we do, this eight, nine, ten a week, we do whatever it is. It's probably down a little bit now, but it's certainly seven or eight. Uh, we, um, they're all paid for by people who become members or make a one-time donation. So if you would like to help us with that, we could use the help because going against George Soros, he's only got $42 billion on the table and it's more than just him. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, to the members, thank you. We're always grateful for your support and, uh, and we never fail to be uh, appreciative of it. We think about it every day and every time I turn on the lights, um, that's because uh, a number of you out there have spent $9.95 a month, and uh, and we're very grateful. And if you want to go to BillWhittle.com, you can be one of those wonderful people and raise your status enormously, uh, increase your social score, not to say uh, the least of which uh, remarkably improve your chances of getting into heaven. So, you know, there's always, you know, there's that. Oh, I didn't do a stream. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna do a groovy out, and I realized no, I kind of went in live here. So, adieu, bonsoir, adios, CNR. No, no intro, no outro, no, no nothing. End stream, and so it is. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. <laughs>